There is one constant in life, and that's change. Whether it's food, your favorite shirt, or your favorite person, change will come. And more specifically, people and things will age. Some people say age is just a number. Some people love to celebrate birthdays, while others are reminded of their own mortality. While I can agree with all opinions, I think it's best to celebrate the anniversaries of people and things. Instead of worrying about the end and the future, I think it's best to enjoy what is and what has been. Hello everyone and welcome to the Chompcast, the official video game podcast of Sword Chomp, where we talk about topics surrounding video games, the video games we are playing, and moments we love to get our fans involved on. If this is your first time being here, we want to say a very big welcome. It's always wonderful to get new eyes and ears on the show. We hope that you stick around for a while. On this week's episode, we are going to be celebrating the five-year anniversary of the Nintendo Switch. That's right, that one snuck up on all of us. We are going to be talking about some of our favorite games, favorite conferences, favorite moments, and much more. We will rattle off some comments left on the topic by you, the listener. We also have a ton of games to talk about this week, as we will be discussing more Elden Ring, the Kirby and the Forgotten Land demo, more Horizon Forbidden West, and Vampire Survivors. We round out the show with some social media polls that you, the Chompers, voted on. So let's get into the intros of the people you are going to hear today. I'm going to keep them short and sweet, as we have a lot of ground to cover in this episode. First, I'm joined by the editor, the host of Chomping at the Bits, another podcast that we do, and co-host of Chomping After Dark and this show. Please welcome to the show, Mr. Rich Meister. Rich, how you doing today? I'm doing wonderful. Thanks for, thanks for having me back. Hey, I'm glad to get you back. I'm glad to get you in here. Every week, I'm glad you're here. What have you been up to this week, man? Uh, not a ton, man. You know, well, actually, it's not entirely true. I've been playing so many fucking video games, like not like neglecting sleep to try and. Okay, I'm gonna throw this out here on this podcast right now. If you're listening to this podcast, and the review for Horizon Forbidden West is not up, then I have failed you. I have failed this community. That is my goal for Sunday. Hmm. Mm, you're, yeah. you're you're saying it so you manifest it like you're ke- you're holding yourself i'm holding accountable. My, yeah exactly i'm holding myself accountable to it um especially because uh i really want to get at least that off my plate uh before i start triangle strategy because uh i've already sort of decided that i might get some sort of impressions up about elden ring at some point in the you know soon sooner future but i kind of want to really take my time exploring that game because it is it is something else I think it's one of those games that's worth just taking your time with, but um, I think so too. It's one of those things where, like, I with the time I put into it, I'm of the opinion right now that like something is gonna have to really impress me for this to not be my game of the year in 2022. That's a bold prediction, man. We'll have to see if it holds true. But outside of video gaming, what have you been up to this week? Not Um, much. Booking flights uh, for a million weddings. A million, um, yeah, about a million, just just to cover it, you know. Uh, and uh, gearing up for uh, PAX East, which is next month, uh, where Ray and I will be doing coverage for the site. Uh, gonna 
going to fold out more to the community about that as we get closer because I'm kind of in that that point where I'm trying to get some appointments scheduled and then I would like to do a uh, a, a community meetup for anyone who is going to be braving the horrible state of the world for that event with us. Well, man, I mean, you mean Boston? How are to you? Uh, well, I like Boston. <laughs> I yeah, I had I had to. You, yeah, you no, can't that's pass fair. that up. I like I they got seafood and people who are as aggressive as me. That's true. That's a good point. I've never been to Boston. I've always wanted to go. Um, I've never I've never been much in, on the east side of the U.S. in general. To be honest with you, Boston is a city I would be very comfortable living in. I get that impression. It would be a good city to live in. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Who knows? I don't know. But Rich, I'm glad you're here, and uh, I'm I'm excited to talk about a lot of the stuff we're going to be talking about today with you specifically. Me too, man. Um, that that Kirby demo got me off to to a light. We're going to be having a um. I'm I'm so I got Kirby on the brain so much, um, because our our chomping at the bits for this month, and this is no. This is not incidental. This was totally on purpose. Is going to be on Kirby's Dreamland and Kirby's Adventure. So I've been playing a lot of Kirby oh. and researching a lot of Kirby. Good man, good man. Kirby's a good, good uh, character to research, and uh, you're you're in with good company because Kirby is very popular in Japan, as you can imagine. I, you know, I get it. Like, um, I never had much experience with the first Kirby's Dreamland. I, I played a ton of Kirby's Adventure as a kid. Mm. Uh, but this is, it's not the first time I played it, but it's the first time I put serious time into it. Like immediately Kirby has a vibe that kind of works as this platformer that lets you make your own difficulty and make your own fun. Uh, I think that's Sagara guy is going places. Yeah. 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 No, he, he seems like he's an up and comer. Yeah, I think so. I think there's big things on the horizon for him. Mm -hmm. Speaking of which, actually, I just ordered Kirby's block ball. For uh, for the Game Boy, because I uh, I need more stuff to play on uh, on the John. on my pocket analog once that yeah, gets here. Like I've got a, I've got a bunch of Game Boy games already, but to justify to myself having spent that much on on a Game Boy, uh, it 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 seems you like need I something should. to show. Yeah, for. yeah, well, exactly. I need some I need some old games that I've not played yet. You know, Josh, like the uh, chomping at the bits almost made me justify the pocket analog, but I think what's going to end up happening is this is going to finally be the justification I needed to get a mister. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think it's time. It's, it's uh, a, yeah, what's his name going to be? The mister. Uh, I don't know. It really depends on who sells it to me, I guess. I think they get to name it. Mm hmm. I. You missed the joke, but that's okay. no. I understood the joke. I just I, I thought I was leading it in a decent direction, and it didn't he, pan he out. He ran as well as with I did. it, but it turns out he was running into yeah, one of those painted like, tunnels, like Wiley e. Coyote. Ah, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Like I was trying to run with it, I just didn't do a particularly good job. That's okay. That's okay. We all have those missteps, but I'm I'm glad you're here. Missteps and all. Second, we have the tech guru of Sword Chomp. They handle editing, website maintenance, co-host of Chomping After Dark in this show and business managerial duties. Please welcome to the show my good friend, Josh Fowler. Josh, how's your week going? You had to bring up the business managerial duties right before the show, and I'm stressed now. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 it's completely my fault. <laughs> this show is off the rails because of me. 
Oh, no, but yeah, I took the yeah. minecart off the, the rails. Mm-hmm. And we are uh, going into pl- territory yep. we don't know about. We're we're either heading into bottomless pit, bottomless pits, or uh, or towards some Kong letters. We'll 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 find out when we get there. But the minecart is officially off the rails. I want to play as Dixie. Mm. Josh, did you ever wonder where those Kong letters came from? Why they were just suddenly there, and like why they why you were collecting them? Are they valuable? Are they worth money? Who are you selling them to? I assumed that was sort of a uh, a Deadpool situation where the Kong letters actually don't exist in the world, but they, they exist in the framing device that our characters can actually see. My guess mm. was cultists. The, the rest, no one else in the world is aware of them, but the player character knows they're there. So, so Ooh. yeah. Okay. Maybe, maybe that, or maybe yeah. the bananas are donkey real. Kong and bananas Diddy are Kong actually there and no one else can. Yeah. It's a mystery. Mm-hmm. Rich, have you ever thought about it? Uh, every every night when I close my eyes, that's all I all I can think about. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I'm not thinking no, no, about I... King, King K. Rule as most as most adult men are at all well, times. Well, I mean, yeah, everyone has you know some the sort of cause am- for those nocturnal emissions. <laughs> the average American thinks about King K. Rule six times a day. <laughs> And that's just facts, guys. Mm-hmm. That's just facts. That's yeah. just science. You know, we ran the numbers. We did the math. Yeah. What is he? Is he a pirate? Is he a king? I What's mean, his deal? We. Tr- to be fair, that science was somewhat distracted by thinking about King K. Rule so many times during performing the science. But, uh, but we tried our best. And, and at all, the end of it, we were six, like... <laughs> six was as high as we could count while, while thinking of King K. Rule. We were like, Crocodile have boxing glove. Mm-hmm. You know, when I, when I was going to college for ecology, there was one thing that was really imparted to us in class, and it was, do not fall in love with the test subject when you are mm. doing science experiments. And it, it's doubly bad if the test subject is a crocodile. Mm-hmm. A cro- crocodile with a jetpack and, and, yeah. and a blunderbuss and boxing gloves? How could you not yeah. fall in love with them? Yeah, no, salmonella is a real risk. Yeah. He's got a whole army of Kremlings. <laughs> oh, man. We really did go off the rails, off of yeah. an off the rails joke. Is, the is na- that is not the meta? Na- is the name of this episode going to be I'm in love with King K. Rule? <laughs> <laughs> it should be. Yep. It should be. But, Josh, how, actually, how is your week going? Um, I mean, as you, you, you may have noticed from the show being up so late this last week, um, just stressful i don't know i've just mm. i've not been you were trapped in, in the phantom a, zone yeah i've not been in a great place this last week just been worried about too much stuff um i think it's easy to be ri- worried right now yeah yeah um but yeah yeah doing doing all right when i can like i played a bunch of elden ring over the weekend which was which was nice until they patched it Saturday, which this this is the worst. Like it was playing well enough. Like it still had the stuttering issue that everyone's having on PC because FromSoft doesn't know how to use DirectX 12 and uh, should have used 11. But livable until they released a patch that just completely fucked the game on Saturday 
morning, so I was playing mm. it Saturday morning while the patch came out. Took a break for lunch, came back, and couldn't play it the rest of the weekend. Because um, it was just completely borked. Um, you know, where I come from, borked means you're getting fucked. It still means that. Oh, okay. uh, <laughs> well, uh, Josh, you know, if it makes you feel better, part of me wishes I had bought Elden Ring digital. Because mm-hmm. apparently the PS4 version <laughs> runs much better on the PS5. Yeah, that's, that is the only way to get a stable 60 frames right now, is the PS4 version. Version running on a PS5. Running on a PS5. That is the only way to get stable 60 frames. Don't get me wrong. That PS5 version is fine. I just wish I could get the 60 frames. Yeah, like, it's the PC version is weird because I can get 120 frames when I'm not, you know completely shitting the bed just stuttering out loading new shaders in because none of that was handled correctly sure um, yeah it's a trade-off so anyway um yeah I've, I've heard that it has some tech issues but we can always of course get into that yeah later. yeah i'm sorry yeah sorry yeah. you had issues this week um yeah no I, I, i've been wanting to like really sink time in it over the weekend and uh then they ruined my plans by releasing whatever the hell that patch was on saturday uh, those bastards mm-hmm. those bastards well I'm Dennis glad is a bastard here, man. man we're gonna talk about some lighter happier things at the beginning of the show so mm-hmm. praise be and i'm glad you're here Oh, and right. <laughs> all right. And I am Shay Layton, the host of Evoking the Sublime, one of our other podcasts. Chomping after dark, this show, and some other stuff that I don't want to list because it's too long. I'm glad to be here, guys. Um This week was really emotional for me. Um my around this time every year, my third third year junior high school students graduate. And um this is the last class that of junior high school students that I'm going to see graduate. And it's my last year at my junior high school and my elementary school. And, uh, Hmm. um, they were some of my favorite students I've ever taught and is really hard to accept that they're leaving and I'm not prepared for it. It's like Um, one of those bittersweet things, you know, mm -hmm. it's nice for them. They're moving on and, you know, but yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, there's a lot of emotion that comes with that. Yeah, yeah. I'm like yeah, super no, no. happy. Like, my kids are homeschooled and I have to kick them out every summer. It's rough. It's, uh... <laughs> don't wander the <laughs> streets. Don't, yeah, exactly. Don't, don't see them again until fall. When school have a starts good summer. Back up. See, yeah. see you guys next year. I don't I'm understand not sure that. If that's we... how most homeschools do it, but I mean, they're, they're street smart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't Your understand that. Are we going to camp? Mm-hmm. Where the fuck did you get this from? <laughs> I made it. <laughs> I'll see you September. <laughs> no, but yeah, you're right. You're right. I mean, it's it's a really great thing to see them growing and they're going to move on to the next stage of their life. But um, man, it fucking sucks. Fucking sucks to say goodbye to them. Yeah. Um, I've been like the last few days just randomly bursting out crying like I, I was like i was in class teaching my elementary school students yesterday and they were doing this project that they're working on i'm staring at them and all of a sudden like i'm i'm biting back tears thinking about my students who just graduated 
Um, that that sounds really inconvenient. I only cry in the three times I set aside during the day for crying. Exactly. Smart man. Exactly. Yeah, when Smart I know man. that when I know the big bathroom stall is going to be free, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you know I can just go at it. Yeah, no, it really helps to map out your coworkers' bowel movements, so you yeah, can yeah really get some you know quality crying time in. You can weep day. in peace with the stench Occasionally, of stale shit. Mm-hmm. Occasionally, you got somebody banging on the door like, I'm having a really bad day, man. I need an extra crying. Can you finish <laughs> up in there? <laughs> yeah, sorry, bro. <laughs> sorry, this one is mine. Nah, um, but we can do on it back a lighter to back. note, I've actually, because some students that I taught three years ago, junior high school students, they just graduated high school here. So I was able to reach out to a lot of them and say congratulations on graduating high school. And yeah. I've actually gotten back in touch with a lot of students that I used to teach three years ago. That's so cool. much so that um, two of the students that graduated that I taught years ago are going to come play basketball with me tonight. Cool. Uh, That's awesome, play- man. Yeah. And um, I actually, I think this is a, an even lighter note. Uh, and, uh, God damn you, Josh, motherfucker. <laughs> I'm sorry. That, I, you're absolutely right, the, that, too. Yeah, no, that mm. couldn't be said on the show, but... No, no. Um, I'm not going to even remotely repeat that out loud, but... Um, no, no, so much so that, like, some of these students have reached... Former students that one of my, um... One of my students, she's in college now. She's going to college for, um learning about fashion and wedding attire. I've taught her. I've taught her sister who just graduated junior high school and I'm teaching her youngest sister now. And I'm, I'm, I've talked to their, I've talked to their, (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so, my brain is broken. I've, I've Josh is getting really another into character. being ruined me, and and Josh uh, is getting really into character. I have to pass it on. Yeah, <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Yeah, um, is a terrible to, joke for the people to pay it backward. Well, well I'll, Josh, I'll actually answer that question here in a moment. Uh, so <laughs> that's unfortunate. <laughs> you, you'll, Rich, have more faith in me. Okay, all right. I have more faith in me. You okay. know me. I have more okay. faith in me. Okay. So I've taught all three of them, and the the middle one graduated i was really bummed and uh i saw their their mother um i've talked with their mother plenty of times very nice lady and later the oldest sister messages me and she's like hey are you still at the school i want to come take a picture with you and talk with you i haven't seen her in um well i've seen her i see her from time to time in in uh the city that i live in cuz her college actually is really close to where i live but I was like, yeah, sure, come come talk with me. I haven't talked with her in almost five ye- four years. So she comes through with her her mother, and I just got to talking with them for a half an hour, and uh, it was really good to see them. And uh, I asked her, I was like, what are you, because she's on break from college right now, I'm like, what are you going to do? And she's like, I don't know, eat food. I was like, all right, what kind of food do you want to eat? And she's like, I want to eat sweets. And I was like, oh, there's this really great cupcake shop close to where you go to college. And the mother's like, oh, that's awesome. Let's go. And I was like, what? And I was like, you mean the three of us? And she's like, yeah, sure. Or you and me. And I was like, 
<laughs> um, okay. I was like, sure, let's all three of us go together, you know, because the mother is married. And um, <laughs> I was like, yeah, no. But I will say this. The, the mother inside and out is a beautiful woman. And um, so, so, you know, no, no, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it, Josh. So you know about her do inside. It. Do it. <laughs> I'm trying to say, I'm trying to yeah. say her heart what is do I do pure this? and beautiful, Josh. What? What? That's what I'm trying to say. Those are the kind of questions we ask here on 98.3, but <laughs> fuck. Josh, cut, the, cut this fucking bit. Cut this fucking <laughs> Oh, this is supposed to be a heartfelt story. Why are you? I'm sorry. I'm broken. <laughs> He's had a really rough week. I, I'm proud of him for one. <laughs> Look, she she's a she's a very beautiful lady. She's also a married lady, and she's the mother of three children who I admire and have taught. And we'll leave it at that. I'm not even remotely, you know, interested. But I thought it was funny and cute, and I think she was probably joking around. But it, inevitably, it turns out at some point the three of us are gonna go get cupcakes together. Yeah. <laughs> Jk. Unless. <laughs> <laughs> what if God we damn. kissed at the cupcake store? <laughs> kissed over that unicorn cupcake <laughs> with the bubblegum walls. What if we kissed at the point of grace? Oh god, yeah. But um no, it's just been like in all seriousness, it's been really great to connect with some former students. Um it's been really nice and uh some like the last thing I'll say about it cuz I know I talk about my students so much and I apologize is um some of them wrote me letters after 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 I I'd given them all like personalized letters. I wrote them all graduation letters. And so many of them gave me letters. And I was having this moment on graduation day where, like, first thing in the morning, right before the ceremony, I was saying hi to them, talking with some of them. And they would give me a letter. And I'd get, like, three of them. And then I'd run back to the, the teacher's office and read them and bawl my eyes out for, like, 30 seconds and then compose myself and then go back and talk to more students and then get more letters. And it was this uh, hilarious, hilarious... Uh, uh, kind of scene where I would get these letters, go read them, just bawl my fucking eyes out, compose myself, and then just yeah. repeat this three or four times. <laughs> but Aww. um yeah. I uh Wholesome. I am gonna I'm gonna be wrecked the next few weeks because then I actually have to say goodbye to all the other students that I've been teaching. My elementary students are gonna graduate in two weeks. Gotta say goodbye to them. And I'm also have to say goodbye to all the other students that I've taught for the past two to uh, past two years. So I'm gonna just be an emotional fucking freight train over the next few weeks. Mm-hmm. So I think you, you you've earned it. Yeah. I've earned those cupcakes, damn it. But um <laughs> anyways, let's get into the actual show. Um uh, I wanna say if you end up loving this episode and want more content from us, please stick around to the end of the show and we will let you know what you can access, where you can access it, and how. So stick around if you want to hear more on that. Let's get into the topic of the show. So I was so fucking surprised. It makes sense. But five year anniversary of the switch was on the third or fourth. Yeah. Oh, excuse me. It was on the fourth. And I that's today. 
Okay, may, yeah, maybe it was the third. It was the third because today is the PS2 anniversary. I'm mm. sorry. Um, but I was surprised that the Switch has been out for five years already. It just, it like, that time came and went so fast. And yeah, I, it makes sense for us to talk about it because it truly is one of the most unique consoles that have ever come out. And, uh, I mean, there's so much surrounding it as to why it's unique, why it's amazing. But one of the first things I want to do is get your personal first moment with the Switch. Not the first, when you first owned it, per se, but whether it was you want to talk about, like, the first time you heard it was announced or the first time you got your hands on one, um, anything like that. What was your first moment with this console? And, uh, Rich, I'm going to start off with you. Uh, what was your first moment with the Switch? I mean, I was 100% watching that announcement live. Um, here's a weird thing, because I might be conflating it. I definitely, I was working at Destructo at the time. Um, so I want to say I wasn't on the live stream but i was one of the i don't know if i've ever talked about how how like bigger websites like this do sh shit like that but when you're trying mm -hmm. to turn out articles at a rapid pace uh and we would do this a lot around e3 since all the coverage is basically virtual basically we're all sitting in a call like this and some people are writing things up as they happen and then since i was a newer guy at that time I was one of the people who is just constantly grabbing screenshots and sending them to all the people who are writing about the current reveal so they can mm. pick and choose the ones that make sense for the front page. Mm. Yeah, um, I, that sounds a little stressful. It sounds a little very, very different, obviously, than something we do. But um, it's fun, almost like I, I always have a very specific memory of uh, doing so for E3 and the first time we got uh, Last of Us 2 footage. And it's that footage of Ellie and uh, the other character who she marries, whose name escapes me at the moment. Um, and when they kiss on the dance floor, and I just remember somebody in chat be like, tell me you got that kiss. And I'm like, sending kiss now. <laughs> it's important shit, man. You gotta get it. You gotta of course get I got content. the kiss. What do you take me for? I got um, it for personal reasons, but you can have it. But yeah, it's it's hectic and kind of monotonous, but it's like a fun environment to be in as you're watching all this shit and kind of live reacting it with a bunch of people who are also super into it. So that's that's my first memory of the Switch. My other only real one probably would be opening the box of bullshit on launch day I got for Amazon that had my Switch, mm. Breath of the Wild, and way too many Amiibo in it. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that sounds e equal parts stressful and exciting just because, like you said, you're enjoying that with a community of like-minded people. Yeah, yeah, like the stress kind of dissipates because you're having too much fun. And when you're nailing it, getting that positive feedback of like, good grab, thanks. Like everybody's just moving at light speed and you're rotating out between, OK, I'm going to write the next thing and somebody else is going to grab screens. It's, it's a good time. Mm -hmm. Right. Josh, what was your first impression or your first memory moment with the switch? I mean, I remember the. Again, the, the announcement as well. Um, I was not, uh, I don't know, that doesn't, that doesn't stick out in my memory as much as actually getting a hold of the thing, uh, and, you know, just unboxing it is always, always, always a fun time, uh, for me, and just the, the, 
your first rooftop party with it. Exactly, exactly. I was never invited to many rooftop parties before the Switch came out. Um, Thanks, and I, COVID. And I finally had ruined. my golden ticket to all these magical <laughs> these rooftop exclusive parties. rooftop parties. Yeah. Um, <laughs> your first day was packed. You went to the only park in the neighborhood without a playground, so you're legally allowed to be there. Loophole. Yep. Um, then you, you know, played a game of football where you put it on the sidelines and you know played when you were down. And then you went to a rooftop party where everyone played Mario Kart. Exactly. Yeah. But uh, anyway, but 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 in reality, um, I'm, I'm sure you remember this back in the day. Uh, the way the pre-orders were handled with this, they had certain numbers. You just got you know, just a console, and then they had certain numbers allocated to these different bundles that you got with a bunch of, you know, other stuff, and I think by the time I was able to get a hold of one, I managed to get one with, like, one, two, switch, and, uh, um, Last Minute Heroes? That doesn't sound right. That might be right. That, uh, that was, I, I don't know if the name is 100% right, but that was definitely a launch game. No, um, I know it was a launch game. I can't remember the exact name. It was some, something Heroes. Yeah. Um, has been heroes. Has been heroes. Has been heroes. Is it? That yeah. It was the roguelike thing where you yeah. play as retired heroes. I'm curious escorting, if this ha- you know, these princesses to school. Which as some, uh, anyway, you also got it launch day, right? I got that. Yeah, I got that. I had. I got like those two, and I think like one other game launch day because I had to get that bundle in order to get one at launch. And, yeah, uh, I I mean I got that, and I I want to say I got one two switch and Breath of the Wild launch day. Mm. Um, I, I just I did... bought Breath of the Wild launch day, but it was not part of the bundle that I was able to get because I don't think I bundled, yeah. but like every, everything, like I got the switch on Amazon and then just ordered all the other stuff, so it shipped together. Yeah. Um, I I have a distinct memory of this, and this I don't know if this was exclusively an Amazon thing. For some reason. A bunch of Switch accessories had a, a ship date of like a week earlier than the Switch. Oh yeah, yeah, so I remember that. I had the Pro Controller for like a week before the Switch came out, yep. and I was already in love with that controller because I was just using it on PC. Oh yeah. Um, and then a similar thing happened with the PS5, where I had a PS5 controller. Uh, yeah, I long had, before I got a PS5 because I, had I the bought it anyway. My PS5 for like a month before I was able to track down an actual PS5. <laughs> um. Yeah. So that's a thing. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. I think that's an interesting first impression. For me, my true first impression, because, yeah, I mean, like, we all saw the conference. For me, the first true impression was I was working at a GameStop during this time because I, uh, I was supplementing income, quote-unquote, on that meager pay. Actually, I was getting free games is what I was getting while I was uh, in between doing uh lab research and field research and then more coming detrimental to income <laughs> yeah so, some kind of income at least but <laughs> i remember leading up to that launch all the people trying to reserve a console oh, and yeah. the fucking constant advertisement of that has been heroes game which yeah. there's no way i was ever going to play that fucking game after hearing. it's really good but they pushed it way too hard for what it actually was I still have not played that. No, it's it's fun. It, it's it's. I don't uh, doubt it is. Again, but it's, it's, just... a, it's a roguelike with a with a really neat combat system. But like, that was about it. Like it was it was pretty bare bones. It was something that should not have been pushed for. But for what it was, it was really good. 
sort of a... I don't even have a real reason for, like, why I never played it. I just never did. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Right, yeah, it's... um, That was my first, like, impression of it, but actually getting my hands on it, I remember the manager of the store, she had just gotten hers, and she had told me, she's like, you know, I can get you one, right? Like if you really want one, and I was like, eh, I'm about to move, I don't want to spend, like, I, I want one, but the one, console's but need... portable, Shay. It's perfect <laughs> Well, the thing is, move. I needed the money to get here. Yeah, no, and, I get that. Yeah. I get that. Um, so I had to put any little bit of money that I had away, and I'm so glad I did, because... You, you did the responsible thing. You went exactly. on, uh, That's not what I would have done, but you definitely did the responsible Dude, thing. Dude, I'm mm-hmm. glad I did, because I ended up, uh, when I first got here, I actually had to borrow a hundred dollars from somebody just to eat because I I didn't. Oh I yeah, didn't, yeah, no. Even with being as frugal as I was, I didn't save enough money. Initially I would have. Uh, I would have eaten potatoes for six months. I would have simply not eaten. Well, <laughs> I kind of looked like that when I got here. I was seventy kilos when I got here, and now I'm at a healthy. Shut 80. the fuck up, <laughs> dude. I I operate in kilos now. I don't operate in pounds anymore. I'm sorry. I don't operate in pounds either. This is America. I use the dollar. Exactly. Jesus Christ. I hate you. Okay, well, for you <laughs> Americans, stone I was 154 and... pounds at <laughs> six foot one when I and came how, here. And how much quid is that? <laughs> and now I'm at, I fluctuate between 176 and 178 pounds, mm. which is a much healthier weight from, like, I was, I was, I was like penny pinching when I first got here. Um, like right before I came here to right when I got here and I, I really wanted to get the switch, but I got my hands on it from my manager and I tried out very briefly, like running up a hill on breath of the wild. And I tried snipper clips. I thought you meant you were running up a hill while playing the switch. Snipper clips is really good. I had a lot of fun with that game. Snipper clips is a lot of fun. Yeah. So good. Yeah. So that, that was like my first impression of the console. And I was like, wow, this is pretty good quality for it being a handheld. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Very impressed with that. Well, I mean, it, like we said, it's been out for as long as it has now five years, and there have been some amazing, amazing games on the console. Um, there have been some, you know, Wii U remasters and ports. There have been some ports and remasters of Nintendo games all across their consoles. You know, they've had some uh, SNES remasters. They've had a few remakes. They've uh, introduced their uh, Nintendo Switch Online uh, catalog to play original NES and Super NES games, and now that includes N64 games. And then they've had, you know, some, obviously, they've had a lot of indie games, indie developers put their indie games on there, and some original games on there. Uh, I think think for the sake of the conversation, I, I won't entirely bar you from whatever you want to talk about, I think it'd be probably less interesting to be like, yeah, my favorite game on the Nintendo Switch is Super Mario 64 on the Nintendo Switch Online Network. I think, obviously, yeah, we all know. stupid, because there's a better version. <laughs> we, all, we all know to avoid that, but... Um, yeah, sure. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, like, what... We can just go down the list. Maybe we can talk about, like, three or four or how... You know what? Fuck it. However many games we want to talk about. What, what is one of your favorite games on the console, Rich? Um, I, this is the obvious one, but Breath of the Wild is still, like, one of the best games ever made, like, period, and it is the showpiece of that console that did, 
Mm-hmm. Not just amazing things with the hardware, but amazing things for games in general. Oh yeah, yeah, just games in general. It's it's one of those things that kind of before it came out, everyone knew it was going to be underpowered moving forward, but seeing just absolutely a tentpole game hit it at launch um really yeah, showed that you just you didn't need all this power in order to make a game be you just know need a developer yeah who knows how to get the most out of the hardware they're working with and obviously nintendo is going to know their own hardware better than anyone mm-hmm. um but for like that day one game to be the thing that we still look back on is like that is fucking phenomenal is is something yeah no i think i think as far as console launches go that is the strongest console launch game by <laughs> such a big margin. I, I think it's the strongest, like, since, like, Super Mario World. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, that, I, I, I couldn't agree more, even though I'm very late to the party on that game, having only played it just uh, over the winter break. But... Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely but amazing. Five years game. later, you still agree that it's like this monumental achievement, and that says something. Oh, it's a monumental achievement that says something. Like, yeah, like I said, I wish I played that game right when it dropped, um, so I could have been a part of the conversation with you. It's part of the reason why I feel guilty now for not playing Elden Ring at the moment because I feel like that game probably has a similar aura around it of like being able to find all these things in the game and just like talking about I, it with your friends. We could talk about that when we talk about Elden Ring, but I feel like, yeah, it, I think uh, Elden Ring is one of the only things that kind of learned the right stuff from Breath of the Wild in terms of the way it handles mm. exploration. Yeah, 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 no, I, th- I think... I think having a difficult open-world game is 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 very important. That's something that kind of survival games have done well. I think that's I think that's one of the reasons Valheim did so well last year. Um sure. even even in early access. It was just the idea of a massive open world that actually is a threat to you instead of just being something for you to go out and conquer, which is what and we've then- been getting from everything forever in games i don't i don't need a god complex i need a i need a reality check yeah um part of that though was like you said valheim had that similar feel of like you and i would get on at night and i'd be like oh i was playing last night while you were busy or whatever like i gotta show you this fucking thing i found and yeah yeah um yeah yeah breath of the wild amazing fucking game can't say that enough um one of the best games out of just this generation. I I mean, like, it's hard to lump in the Switch with, like, the PS4 slash PS5 slash Xbox One slash Xbox Series X and S. But, I mean, it is around the same time, so you call it this generation. It is one of the best games of this generation, period. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, uh, one of the best games ever. Period. If you ask me, but that's a that's a whole other conversation. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I, I I'm trying not to oversell it. I know a lot of people. Yeah. Out there think that this game is overhyped, and you know I I can't entirely disagree with him, <laughs> but I I also kind of say fuck him. <laughs> um, yeah, let's talk about. Uh, well, actually, Josh, I'll throw it to you. Another one. What's 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 one of your another one? Another like first what, another, impression oh, like or a, another, what another a, game a favorite or... game on your on the Switch. Oh, favorite game you. on the Switch. Um, 
I am I am a huge a early roguelike fan like the 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 old school things the entire world state updates when you make a move sort of a you're feel. a fan of you're a fan of rogue i'm a fan of rogue like actual rogue i'm a, I'm a huge fan of net hack um no damn it i do this every time i I'll, i can never keep net hack and net runner straight one of them's the the card game and one of them's the the roguelike and I do this every fucking time because NetHack and Netrunner Net Runner. sound way too similar. I think Netrunner is the card game. Let me, yeah, Netrunner is the card game. You okay. were correct. All right, I was correct. right. All right, all right. So NetHack was a game I played a ton of as a kid, and it's it's that old school rogue style. You move the entire world updates, sort of a feel. Mm. Um, the update to that formula was forcing you to think on your feet with Crypt of the Necrodancer. Um, and then the update to that was uh, Cadence of Hyrule, which takes that formula, adds, you know, tons of new campaigns to it for, like, a, the Zelda with some of the best universe. video game music ever. Yeah. It's, it's, it is just outstanding, outstanding, and it is 100% my jam. Like, it's, it's a rhythm game. It is a roguelike. It is made for me. And, uh, and that game is... I would buy a Switch just for that game. Just be, because of... Damn. Anyway, just my personal tastes, that is, that is what I am here for. Um, so good. Such a, such a good game on, on every level. It's a good rhythm game. It's a good roguelike it is solid uh and and again they they've had they, um <clears throat> crypt of the Dexter dancer has handled accessibility fairly well for a game that is pretty demanding um giving you options to not play it as a rhythm game if you don't want to if you just want to play it as a really tactical take your turn when you want to sort of a game want to mm. want to make it old school they allow you to do that, um, which is something that I think we need to see more of. We've we've been seeing a lot more accessibility in the AAA space um, in recent years, but as far as a an, an indie game goes, they were kind of one of the first games to really, you know, like here here's our vision, here's what we want to do. But if you can't do that, here's another way to still play the game and kind of, and kind of get it. Um, they did that really well with the first Crypt of the Necrodancer. And then they took that and did it, you know, as well with Cadence of Hyrule. Um, I don't know. Odd choice. I think, I, I don't think most people would go there, but, uh, I think that's probably, probably my next favorite game on the console. I yeah I I had I sorry that's one of the games that I was kind of interested in Cadence High Rule and I just I couldn't in good conscience prioritize it during the time where all the other games that had come out oh, yeah. that I really wanted to play and I kind of missed out on that one unfortunately yeah. in a world where you have time which will never come exactly it's definitely worth your time okay absolutely and they've just they've added more and more stuff since it's been out so if you 
go back to it now, it's even more worth your time than when it first came out because it's all been, you know, uh, like free updates sort of situation, mm. which is something a lot of the Switch games have been really good at uh, is just giving you more content for, for free. Like you come back to a game however much later that's something you installed on your system forever ago, and there's just right. new stuff there to see, which is really right, cool. Right. That's cool. That is cool. Um, one of the first games I definitely want to mention is Fire Emblem Three Houses. That mm. game, you know, I I had been on um, I'd been on the Fire Emblem train for a little while. I had gotten into it with uh, the DS one. I can't remember that one's name. I'm spacing it, but anyways, uh, then I got onto I the. You talking about the, the ones su- with, the, with the two versions, or yeah, the- no, yeah. that's the, the one before it. Hmm. There, there's one before it. Um. Oh, before uh, the before conquest and oh DS DS one. Um. Yes, DS. Uh, not, not not the not, not the three DS one. Not conquest uh, and birthright. The, the yeah, I'm trying to think. It. I I play I played the ones you're talking about. I just can't remember the name of them. Uh, yeah, but. I, I played that one. That was the first Fire Emblem game I actually ever played. And then after that, I got into Birthright and Conquest, specifically Birthright. And I was, I was pretty, pretty high on it I mean, at that point. I think you're thinking of Shadow Dragon. Is it Awakening? That was another Awakening. 3DS one. It was, Awakening. That was, that was, that was 3DS, yeah. but, but Awakening the one was before. 3DS. The, the oh, DS one okay. was, was Shadow yeah. Dragon. Yeah. Okay. That's my bad. Yeah. Look at my collection there. Had to. Yeah. Well, thank you for checking, Josh. There are yeah. so many Fire Emblem games. It's it's tough keeping there them all are. straight. There are, yeah. So I, yeah, Fire Emblem Awakening was the first one that I actually got into, and then Fire Emblem Fates, which is Birthright and Conquest, um, was the next one. So I was I was fairly high on the games. I was I really enjoyed my time with both of those games. I did not expect Three Houses to be as good as it was, and that was the game that actually made me go out and buy a console of the switch so i had been waiting because i wanted to get a switch and you guys were talking about all these amazing switch games and i felt like i was missing out and uh back when morgan was on the show he would give me a lot of shit he'd be like dude why haven't you gotten a switch yet and i almost had broken down and they had announced that oh we're going to be releasing a new one with better battery life um a little bit not much but slightly better specs and stuff like that and then i was like okay i'll wait for that to drop and it was Fire Emblem Three Houses had dropped July 26th, I believe, of 2019, around that time. And the Switch, the new one, was dropping in September. So I patiently waited for that console. And the day it was releasing, I went and waited hours before the shop had opened. Went and got one that day. Immediately came, sat down, and started playing Fire Emblem Three Houses. Fucking loved that game. That That is the best Fire Emblem game. Uh, just... There's so much to do in that game, not just with the combat. There are so many different things you can do in there with combat, but just the sim elements that they introduce to the game. It sure is Persona. It, yeah. yeah, I mean, like, it, it really is. It's, it's, uh, They'd done stuff with the that whole tactical layer before, but it had always been more like little conversations here and there. And this this is the most fleshed out that tactical layer outside of... Outside not of not, the not, ta- not yeah. tactical layer. Sorry, that's, that's the, the, the not tactical the, layer. The not the, tactical layer outside of the, the, the individual the sort of battles. Like, the sort of like slice of life stuff. Yeah. Well, they they yeah they've always had that in the series, and that was one yeah, of the fun it's just things. So fleshed in, out here. Yes, 
that was one of the fun things in uh, Fire Emblem Fates is, you know, talking with the characters, building up your relationship level with them, and then, you know, getting in a re- uh, choosing one that you would try and enter in a relationship with. I mean, that stuff was fun. Mm-hmm. It's fun for me, and I don't care who knows it. And <laughs> they just basically uh, added more on to what they had already done in previous games, and they added a lot more. They, they, you know, you could actually, it wasn't just screens of characters talking. You actually go out and you, you run through the campus, which also added to the exploration element of yep. the, the school grounds, but you would go find each character and you talk with them. And yeah, you had opportunities to like have tea parties with them, go out on um, adventures with them. You could end up depending on, how much of a relationship you had with a character, you might end up getting into special battles with some of these characters and um, your relationship with some of these characters would actually influence the battle itself in terms of their power or the special moves that you could do with them. And that's something that's tea time. I would yell. Yeah. That that's something that has been there for a long time, but it was always like the most just arcane hidden ways to actually access any of that yeah. stuff that, that now it feels it, like such a big part of yeah. the game and and like clear inspiration from series like persona which mm-hmm. is smart because when you're dealing with a huge cast of characters like that that level of like interaction is one of one of the things i as a player enjoy most about games like persona yeah. and that was what i was beating my drum about that game at the time was i was like no they went and took like persona elements and put them into a fire emblem game and it's awesome yeah yeah it really, really worked. Um, outside of that, the strategy elements were good. It is a good elevation in terms of difficulty. Uh, there's yep. a lot of content there. And then the, the DLC, which I still to this day need to finish, is some of the hardest tactic stuff I've ever played in a tactics game. <laughs> that DLC is real good. But, it was um, a really good expansion, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. I, I love that game. So uh, Fire Emblem Three Houses would be one of my favorite games on the console. Rich, what's another one for you? So I'm going to try not to harp on like obvious stuff too much because I know we don't want to obviously belabor this all day. So I was thinking I, no, about... I, th- I think obvious stuff is fine. I mean, it's a celebration of the console. We should. Fine, I'll slap you with another obvious one then. <laughs> um, I am no stranger to talking about how much I love Mario games and how much I love platformers and how much those things made me fall in love with video games. Super Mario Odyssey is such a good 3D Mario game. Oh my god! Like yeah, it is. It it's such a. It, here's the here's the thing, and like after Mario 64, and I think Sunshine orchestrates this well, and I like Sunshine a lot more than most people. Mm-hmm. Um, Sunshine is a, a lot of fun. Despite I, lo- its flaws I, lo- I love with some Sunshine. of the mechanics. It's a really good game. So, some of its platforming is a little unwieldy, but I really yeah. like it, and yeah. it's like purposeful design. But the thing is, like. So many people were of the mindset that like those proper big 3D Marios um, were going to have like this. Oh, well, everything is like a gimmick now. Cappy is such a good extension of Mario's platforming, the throw your hat and like use it as a platform yeah. type thing. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Um, Not even talking about like the taking control of enemies to like change how you play. Just the mere act of throwing your hat and then you can use it as a platform. I honestly don't yeah. know how or if they're going to take that away going forward. Like it feels so it's such a good extension of Mario's tool set. 
Yeah, but I don't know. I'm 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 one of the few people who's not a massive fan of like everything they've done between Galaxy and Odyssey. Um, sure. Like they're good, they're solid, but I don't feel like they've been anywhere near as inventive as the like the big 3D tent poles as far as like just really knocking my socks off. Um, sure. And the, I mean, Galaxy Two is is something special. Oh, oh no, no, sorry. I mean, like the Galaxy games, like one and yeah, two. Yeah, okay. I, I, like... I wanted to make sure you were including. Oh both yeah, yeah, yeah. Galaxy um, Two is just Galaxy. Like, there's a reason Galaxy got a direct sequel. Oh, exactly, exactly. That was such a solid addition to the just idea of Mario. Um, More so, like my but... thought always what was like coming off of Odyssey. Like, I don't even think the take control of enemies or like Cappy himself has to be an idea that that lingers. But I feel like the hat throw and it kind of hovering yeah. and you being able to jump on it. Like, I would like to see that mechanic stick around. Yeah, yeah, the whole have a ranged attack, which is something yeah. that's different, you know, a hard to execute like aside from hard to execute ranged attack that's way more useful than just than like a fire throw, throw out a fireball or something. Yeah. Like it's it's it is useful for the platforming uh as as an addition. Um it it felt like the most natural extension of that Super Mario 64 move set that I've totally. felt in a while. It, it it is just the most fluid platforming out there period um in that game. And, and the and the other thing Odyssey does so well is uh it's such a weird celebration of Mario, like the whole new Donk City thing with the return of Pauline and like this homage to Donkey Kong and where Mario has come from. Mm-hmm. It that whole game feels like a big celebration of Mario. Those really great 2d sections where you go through the pipe and you turn into an 8-bit mario and have to do like a little bit of platforming yeah you know that that in particular feels like about as much 2d mario as i actually want compared to a lot of the is this a 2d mario is this a 3d mario type games that we've gotten in between there sure i mean i love a good 2d mario i just feel like new super mario brothers for example turned Mm -hmm. into something else like its roots are in traditional 2d mario but it's very much something different, and I I would kill for a good like string of here's a bunch of new two proper two D Mario levels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, like I I. It's neat. It it, it kind of seemed more like what what if we follow the two D line forward from where it ended, which is that's what would, cool. What would that? What yeah, would that what would be? that be? Yeah. What had had the legacy continued from the two D Mario's instead of the three D Mario's? Is kind of what the new Super Mario games are. Like that, and they that, are the whole they branch. are fun. They're yeah, you yeah, know, I think they're really good. It's just I personally connect with the 3D as a as a base type I think, movement set more. I think they're having more fun with it. Uh, I think New Super Mario Brothers hits like sort of a peak where it's like, well, this thing kind of is what it is, and there's really not a fun ton of innovative ways to shake up the formula at this point. Which is mm-hmm. aside from like new powers. But uh, yeah, like 3D Mario is willing to take more risks, which is, is good. It's good for the franchise as a whole. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, anyway, point being, I agree. <laughs> I, I also just love Super Mario Odyssey uh, and think they've done just some of the best stuff the series has seen as a whole. Uh, agree. In that game. See, that's totally why I told agreed. you, Rich, to mention it. I knew that mm-hmm. I knew that Josh would bring up that one if you didn't. and. Uh... It's a good. It's a good one. 
Turns out that Mario guy's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> Turns out, indeed. That's one of the ones that I need to eventually get around to, like Breath of the Wild. Um, I will probably wait for another sale before I pick up that one. Which it is. Um, it's a really great Mario game, and as somebody who has spent time living in Japan, Shay, I'm sure you will appreciate the weird, like, Japanese cultural stuff that pops up in that game, like the whole like rabbits oh, yeah. on the moon thing, and there's there's some stuff in that game. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I I will definitely check it out at some point. Uh, Josh, what's another one that you want to mention? Um, I'm trying to think of anything that's like Switch exclusive. Um, because like like we mentioned earlier, it has been such an outstanding console for indie games that uh, this this this. I'm generally I buy indie games on Steam if I if I can, but this Hmm. machine has been the console that's like oh no you you want this game on switch just because Um, there's a number of games i don't even think it has to be like oh it's there's a number of indie games that like come to my mind as like this is best enjoyed on switch like the switch is the the experience Mm -hmm. yeah and like there's a ton of those a ton of either indie games or just finally getting us um access to other cult games like moon um that yeah, they ended up coming out on the oh, other consoles yes. as well, but like get it on the Switch. It's such a good game but to kind of much much later. Yeah. Um man, that yeah. was great. Moon is great. Um it's so fucking weird. I remember us talking a lot about that. What oh, game? Yeah. Good good game. Um I mean, it's super recent, so I don't want to go into it too deep hmm. but metroid dread um yeah is like it's got to be mentioned yeah no it has to be mentioned I, I mean especially giving it to us without warning just like a couple months after announcing it is just the way to have done that because 2d metroid games have been something i've loved for yeah. ever at this point and for 20 uh, years they've done nothing to suggest that they still cared about that or we're working on one yeah in fact like this was the title when this game was in development like a decade ago mm-hmm. um yeah no it, it like i'm i'm a, I'm a big metroidvania f- vania fan in general um and this is a real good one th- this is a very good one this this seemed to have taken all the good ideas from that Metroid 2 remake um, that came out a couple years back, a few years back now at this point. Um, yeah, it was that was probably, I think that was the last thing I played on my 3DS. Yeah. Yo, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but the idea of a melee, like, counter move to add to that tool set makes the game so much more interactive than it was before. Like, it was... It was Let you play way more aggressively. Yeah, yeah, it's it's such a good feel to add to that that formula, because um, it's not like the you know the games were overly stale or anything, but it is such a like as as far as core mechanics go for a. Metroid game, I think it's one of the best. Like they've all, most of them have had like a a new thing. Like what's the different, you know, mechanic in this one? 
But mm. I think that melee counter is such a core part of the game at this point that I, I can't see them taking it away at, anymore um, as far as mm. how it makes the game feel. It is just... I've talked about this before, about how satisfying parry mechanics are in general, but having that in a Metroid game is ridiculously satisfying. Uh, it just... It, it took a game concept that I already loved that much and made it excellent. And again, Dread is not the first one to do it, but it's kind of the first new game to do something with it, whereas, you know, it showed up in 2 as a, or, you know, in, in the remake of 2. Um, seeing whole new concepts kind of built around that idea was, is excellent. Yeah. Here, here, yeah, I really love that game a lot. I, we had a lot of fun talking about it, and yeah, I, I remember the stress that comes with playing a Metroidvania game. I will say that and this is not a major knock on it. I, I feel like Metroid, while it has some like top tier qualities about it, that I feel like some indies are kind of doing the whole Metroidvania genre better in oh, yeah, some no. ways. Yeah, no, um, for, for a long time, they've been just knocking it out of the park where it's been neglected by any of the big developers. By Triple which is yeah. why it's cool to see Nintendo come back out of nowhere and be like, yeah, we still know how to make one of these. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I I will say that I I I think it was really good because this was my first true Metroid game to see kind of the inspiration that a lot of indie developers have gotten from oh, yeah. Metroid games and Castlevania games. It 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 was a very fun game. It was really good. I think it had high production. Um, yeah, I I really enjoyed my time with it. Great, great game. Yeah, it is a very good game. Yeah, that was one of the ones I was going to mention. So I'm I'm glad you know that that we're it's getting some love on here because it absolutely deserves any of the love that it's getting um i will i for one of my choices i think that i would be remiss if i didn't mention pokemon legends arceus i won't oh, say yeah. too much i won't say too much about it we've been talking we talked about, about it very recently <laughs> yeah very mm -hmm. recently um it is a phenomenal game i think it's a step in the right direction for pokemon um, absolutely but I, I just wanted to briefly mention that. The, the, the real one that I do want to mention, though, is uh, Pokemon Sword and Shield. I know a lot of people felt like this game was too easy, um, which I'm not entirely disagreeing with. It is the easiest Pokemon game to date. Um, but it was like the first true 3D look at a Pokemon game. And... Um, it, it, I had so much fun with that game. That is the game that I spent the most time playing on my Switch. Was uh, oh, yeah. Sword and yeah. Shield. I that put so sense. much. I put so much time into that game. I I. It's the first Pokemon game that I actively got involved in the story, and really enjoyed what they were doing with the story in that game. Yeah, they handled it, was, it really well. Yeah, it, it it was cool to see. It was also cool to see a lot of the Pokemon, you know, three D actively using their moves there there was so much to really like about this game the music was phenomenal it was a step up for pokemon gaming in general i really enjoyed my time with it so it's i mean got a dragon what's an apple pie 
Yeah, exactly. And what more do you want from a Pokemon game? There's really not much more you can ask for. Yeah. No. Um, just Pokemon, those two titles have really knocked it out of the park um, on the Switch console, I think. And hopefully they'll do it again at the end of this year. Right? Yep. <laughs> it is, it is uh, the generation of Pokemon, it feels like. It's, it's going to be a good year for Game Freak, it would seem. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, Rich... I'll give you another one, buddy. What's sure? Um, this is one I definitely wanted to bring up because it is a remake of my favorite uh, top-down Zelda, and that is the remake of The Legend of Zelda: Link's Awakening. Um, oh yeah, that that is a Zelda game that I think I am not alone in loving, but it often feels like it gets the mistreatment as like the weird forgotten one. Oh yeah, um, it like it was one of the first Game Boy games I got all the way through. It, the remake looks amazing. Like it has like this, like almost Rankin and Bass sort of like claymation style look to it. The, the whole thing looks like a diorama and it's just kind of adorable. Yeah. But, um, it's a weirdly obtuse Zelda game and they do nothing to change that, which I love. But one of my, the reasons I love that game so much and that bleeds through in the completely unaltered script here is that it's such a weird thing that Nintendo would probably never let happen in the modern day where yeah. it's so referential to other well, Nintendo stuff. I mean, I don't even know. Like I, yes, I, I like, I, I completely agree with that on most fronts until they allowed cadence of Hyrule to become a thing. Like I, I, I guess, but that feels different in a sense because it like is it's, like this yeah. indie side project mm-hmm. thing. Whereas like links awakening has like a store where there's like a Yoshi and a Kirby doll. There's a chain chomp that lives in one of the villages. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite things ever, because again, it was like, we didn't have that sort of like weird, we're being meta about this video game mentality in the early nineties. But like one of the first people you can interact oh, yeah. with in Link's Awakening is this little kid who's like, my dad said you should press B to swing your sword, whatever that means. Yeah. Yeah. That exactly. That's probably my first memory of a game breaking the fourth wall like that. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm sure it was done before that, but that game in particular really made it and, obvious um and, and the better part is they're not even doing it just to be weird like the ending of that game pays it off exactly exactly of why everything doesn't make sense and mm-hmm. uh interestingly enough i feel like we will definitely do a chomping at the bits one day on Link's awakening because that is that game in particular is in like my teens in high school one of the things that got me really into researching video game history because there's a lot of weird shit around the development of that game like it was mostly fueled by a bunch of Japanese devs being really into Twin Peaks and wanting to make something super weird for the Game Boy. Yep. <laughs> oh, that's I mean, that's a solid choice. That's one of the ones I didn't unfortunately get around to making it to uh, with the uh, remake. But I think that one obviously deserves mentioning. Uh, and that Josh, Amiibo is adorable. For... <laughs> yeah, Josh, what's another one for you? Um, I, I mean... Splatoon 2, finally getting kind of a bigger audience to see Splatoon after the first amazing game came out on the the poor Wii U, which is... And all 12 of us loved it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but but even, even outside of that, just Splatoon 2 is excellent on its own merits. Um, it's, it's such a good follow-up to that first game. Um, 
the the sort of competitive shooter, but with way more focus on the platforming and sort of non-shooting elements um, is really solid. Um, I, I I think... Again, kind of like most of what I'm saying here is kind of kind of applying to Splatoon One as well, but so few people got to play it, unfortunately. Um, but just the the very idea of having you know a shooter that's area control, but like with a very immediately tangible uh, way to see the area you control um, by having you actually painting the areas. Um, mm. and getting, you know, the minor benefit, it's not a minor benefit, but, but being able to swim through that ink goes so much faster, um, is such a cool mechanic, uh, just period, uh, as far as any multiplayer game is concerned, um, right. that it is kind of a shame that it has not caught on as much as it should have in the West. Like I, I feel like it, there's there's still a lot of people who love it, but I'm hoping three changes that. I'm hoping I'm, three makes a bigger splash. Me too. I kind of feel like it was still early enough on in the Switch's life cycle that people weren't, you know, like completely on board. It was still tough to get a Switch whenever it came out. And and also I think um, it was one of those things where like people were almost surprised by Splatoon two because like when we first saw the video drop for it, everyone just kind of assumed like, oh, they're gonna port Splatoon one. Of course they are because the Wii U didn't. Yeah, have they'd been announcing all those other rate. Wii one. Or, but for them to be like games be like oh yeah. it's a full new game was like oh that's awesome and yep. now we're already moving on to splatoon 3 because of that which is fucking cool as shit yeah and i i need more people to get into that game because it is just so well thought out just like ev- all the mechanics play into each other in such satisfying ways uh in order you know like it, it's a multiplayer game mostly, like the multiplayer shooter, but mm. every mechanic is so well thought out and so well implemented that the campaign is just absolutely top tier because it somehow feels like a totally different game because of the platforming elements. Yeah, and- it's because they've, they've made everything work together so well, like you can still do all the stuff in the campaign that you could you know, like just if you're in a multiplayer match, um, as far as like, okay, this, they're not giving you these weird new tools in, in the campaign in order to spice it up to get you through it. It's just the mechanics are so fleshed out that it's, you're not going to you're not going to accidentally find them in a multiplayer match. So let's, you know, show off everything we've done to make this game as as fleshed out as we did. Um, like mm-hmm. it, it, it's, it's, it's up there with like, um, um, ah, fuck. Um, the Apex Legends game that my brain is completely shitting the bed on right now. Titanfall. Um, Titanfall. It's, it's, it's up there with Titanfall too, as far as campaigns go. Like let's, let's, these mechanics are so ridiculously solid that we need to make a campaign to show people that it's not just some mindless shooter that we've hmm. made here. There's, there is meat on all these bones. Um, 
that you could easily miss if you're just playing a shooter, you know, w- without slowing down and paying more attention to it. And this a split Splatoon has done this excellently. Like those those are some of my favorite campaigns attached to a shooter period. And Splatoon 2 especially is just excellent. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. It's it's very popular in Japan. I mean, a lot of my students still play that game every day. Oh yeah. Is a is a very popular game over here in Japan. Yeah. It's one of those things that like Metroid hopefully it eventually catches on. Yep. Yep. Um for me another one of the games that I have to mention would be um Super Smash Brothers. Of all the all the yeah. people that mentioned mentioned that I got. Oh, do ma- people like that? <laughs> I, I've heard. Uh Super Smash Brothers Ultimate is one of the games that I absolutely have to mention because um I, I you know, I played it um with with friends at parties and stuff and it was it was one of those games where I like I got so tired of people being like, Yeah, let's play Smash and I, I I was never that big into it. And then Ultimate just had the right cast of characters for me. Like they introduced the right amount of characters that I would enjoy. I was like, you know what, fine, I'll give it a shot. And I really enjoyed my time with it. And so I ended up buying it and playing it a lot with friends and um I had a friend who used to live here in Japan. Him and I would get together and just play it for fun when we needed a, some time to decompress. And um, I think it's obviously one of the best party games to have because just it's not that complex. You can just button mash and have fun with a game. And uh, there's such a variety of characters in there that you can find someone that you want to use. Yeah, no, it's it's it really is the ultimate iteration of Smash Brothers. And especially now in its in its fucking final form. It is it is one hell of a game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, all the DLC characters that you can get, which I haven't gotten any of them. But, you know, it's a lot of money to spend. I on. have all of them. It's fine. Not uh, yeah. I I know. I would I would imagine as much. But yeah, um, obviously that that game or something like Mario Kart Eight Deluxe has to be mentioned. Um, yeah. Just because they're great party games and they're great games to have on your Switch in case you have someone over. Um, whether it's a friend, whether it's a significant other, whether it's family or a drifter yeah. you've lowered into your apartment. <laughs> yeah, exactly. With the yeah. promise of uh, video games. You know, so. speaking of Mario Kart, um, that's something that I think the Wii U actually did really well is just allowing you to use any Wii remotes that you've got just as a emotion control, quick, easy, sure. pick up this thing easily. Mm. Sort of just, you know, it is super easy to get four people in a room, instantly playing this game together. Um, That's because in 2007, most homes came with a Wii. Yeah, it, <laughs> oh, exactly. Um, but, but I think that's one thing that transferred over extremely well to the Switch was just, your system has two controllers on it, period. It comes with two controllers. And so that was just an Oh, yeah, that's, obvious, a, that's a great feature. An obvious port this thing over immediately yeah. sort of a game and and they didn't it they took them a while but it once took we them got longer it, than it probably should have but yeah. yeah once we got it hell yeah yeah mario kart it was a natural fit for a system that's really easy to get four controllers for like you buy an extra set of wiimote or of you know what are, what the fuck are they called not the wiimotes joy cons joy cons you buy an extra set of joy cons you've got four controllers for playing mario kart hey 
that that Mario Kart is so popular um, that they they're adding something like sixty more courses to it. Go figure, right? Yep. Yeah, it's uh, th- yeah, good stuff, good stuff in that. Um, do you have any? You guys have any other major ones that you want to mention? I I have one more just because it's I probably wouldn't have brought it up, but uh, actually it came up in our Discord today in the VIP channel, mm. um, and I've been thinking about it a lot since. Uh, Platinum Switch exclusive Astral Chain. I fucking love that game, and not enough people talked about it. Um, mm-hmm. Platinum tends to hit for me. Those games are fun. They're dumb action. Astral Chain is a really fucking weird one, where you're like some kind of future cop, and which yeah, you've got like a JoJo's Bizarre Adventure stand, and that thing is one of the most anime games I've played in the last five years. Like it goes full shonen anime towards the end where you've got like a transformation sequence. It's fucking wild in ways that I think only something like Bayonetta comes, comes into the the threshold of Astral Chain is crazy. And I love that game. Yeah. I mean, that's a solid choice. I think it's one of those ones that a lot of people missed out on, unfortunately. Yeah. It's not one you hear a ton of people talk about, but I I found something to love in that game. It was it was it was really fun. Hmm. Good stuff. Uh, Josh, do you have any other ones that you want to mention? I've got a I've got a few more. Um, like we kind of mentioned, you know, Fire Emblem as far as tactics go. I think my actual favorite tactics game on the Switch so far is Mario Rabbids Kingdom Battle. <laughs> that um, game's yeah. really good. It's really good. It's really really good because it it takes that sort of Mario Com? Yeah, yeah, like that sort of XCOM formula and tightens it up to be something way less. It scales it down to make it uh, somehow more tactical, but like, yeah, it's it, XCOM on a way smaller scale. Exactly. Like XCOM, because of the way the, the roles work, you end up inching your way across the map a lot of times, which is something they've done a lot to address ever since the first XCOM, but this, this seems to have done the best job at addressing that as far as making your movement such a core part of, of how you even attack. Um, yeah. Um, it's, it's an excellent evolution on that formula and just such a satisfying tactics game in general. Um, I, I yeah, like, I think a lot of people saw it with, you know, look at all these cartoon mascots and, you know, unfortunately wrote it off as far as the actual depth to the tactical systems they've got there. It is a really, really solid tactics game, whatever they decided to theme it as. But a lot of those elements actually, you know, they're Mario mechanics. They make sense as far as um, how they brought it all together. Um, Luigi got himself a vacuum gun. Mm-hmm. It's it's really really solid. And that, that that is I I just personally I place that above Fire Emblem as far as like how satisfying of a tactics game it is to play. Like I th- I think the I, just, I I don't know I I like that small scale sort of battle a little bit better. Um, just, you know, personal preference sort of a thing. Mm. Um. Yeah. It's I it was on sale very recently. I almost picked it up, but I was like, man, I got too many other fucking games I got to finish first. <laughs> right? Yeah. Understandable feeling. Hmm. Yes. Um I don't really have any other 
major ones that I want to mention outside. Uh, actually, hold on just a second. G- give me two seconds to check because I want to make sure that it's not on yeah. any other console consoles. Um, because like some of the ones that I love on the Switch are on other consoles. Okay, yeah, oh, it's yeah. on other consoles. Yeah. So I, w- I wanted to do a very brief segment with that as well. Um, like some of the games that are on other consoles that we did really enjoy. But yeah. um, I'll wait to do that because Josh, you said you have a few more that are kind of Switch exclusive. Yes, uh, Luigi's Mansion Three. Oh yeah. fuck yeah! It, that's yeah. a really like I like Luigi's Mansion in general, but this is a really good Luigi's Mansion. Um, some of just the most a more impressive sequel than Dark Dark of the Moon, and I and I like yeah. Dark yeah. Dark Dark Moon or Dark of the Moon or whatever it's called. Um, I've also got that on a shelf here. I can't see it. Right off the anyway, um, it it handles the you're in a space feeling better in this one than I feel like they have in a while. Like it, it sure they, they did it well in the first one, but you're in a, in a mansion. It's really small. It's it's honestly the first one's got a lot of that sort of you know early actual survival horror game feel to it as far as like let let you know find a new thing get to a new area of the of the of the mansion you're trapped in feel what they handled well um they do that so well in in this luigi's mansion where it's you know it's it's in order ish but you've got options as far as how you explore the hotel that you're trapped in um and, and make your way through it it in in a ways that feel really satisfying as as far as kind of rewarding you for paying attention to the layout and and what's going on in each floor um yeah and and then just mechanically on top of that the bosses are excellent like there's if they feel so good there's that uh movie set area where you have like the kaiju boss battle yep that that game has some really funny like good smart boss design stuff they're really good yeah like some of my favorite level design and boss design is from that game uh on the switch it's just really good really solid it stuff. is a series nintendo has a lot of fun with and i'm i'm so happy they have continued to do it and hope they continue to make more of those yeah yeah mm. that's good stuff that's good stuff yeah i um I that's another one of those games that I wanted to play but did not or have not I should say. Yeah, I think really you're kind of hitting stuff in in the order, doing as much catch up as you've got right now. Luigi um, should uh, Luigi should go to an abandoned hospital next. <laughs> yes, uh, Josh, do you have any others that are um, mainline titles? Yeah, I kind of saved my probably most controversial for last. Okay. Um, just because arms i i love arms uh and i'm I, more of a legs guy <laughs> i almost made that joke yep but uh um i figured i didn't have a leg to stand on yeah ah! yeah, 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 yeah 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 um <laughs> it is just okay i think that's the the overall consensus of it but i think the the feel of the it it is a in a lot of ways the same as every other fighting game rock paper scissors sort of you know a, attack grab block well it's not is, fun is so it's different mechanics. from other fighting games in that way 
Well, I think it really works because it's it is very it's much more immediate being in a first, uh, not first person, but like over the shoulders sort of a view, sure of that system, um, where you're you're reading those attacks, um, just just right then and there, and then in order to make it not completely unplayable to read in that perspective, give everyone slinky arms. So those attacks are coming in from much farther away than, you know, you'd reasonably be able to react, you know, make the gameplay actually work. Cause like, had they, had they done the exact same system with, you know, so why, the usual why fighting they, game spacing. Why didn't they make the gameplay work? Though they, they did like it, it works really well. It's a little overcomplicated with the Mario Kart style build your own arm attack things. Sure. Um, that, frankly, they could have pared down a lot in order to make it. I don't know. Like, th- th- that I think was a little bit too bloated as far as the actual text. Uh, that go. wasn't really the problem but, I have. I mean, I like everything about that game except for the part where you have to play it. <laughs> Um. Yeah, no, I don't. I, I don't know. Like it's, it's. I, I think it's really solid uh, of a fighting game. Um. Is as far as you know, pairing it back to what a fighting game needs to be, which is something Smash Brothers has always done well as well. Um, you know, you're not memorizing these overly complicated button inputs it's just a matter of actually you know reacting to what you're to the actual fight going on uh which is something i've always liked something that you know the the paired back fighting games like nidhogg and smash brothers i really get into and this this is another one kind of in along those lines again it's a 3d fighting game which they all suck but this is probably the best 3d fighting game. i think it's just this one that sucks They've not made a good 3D fighting game before now, so I'm pretty sure it's just ARMS that's been remotely playable. Tekken 7's pretty fucking good. Mm. I, never, mm, I never played that one. 6 was the last one I played. Um, yeah, no, I, uh, I fucking hate ARMS. Um, <laughs> it's fucking terrible. Uh, I, I literally can't stand playing that game. The funny thing is, like, I was totally serious, Josh, when I tell you that uh, I love everything about it except for the part where you have to play it. Like the lore is incredibly stupid and scratches my itch. And just in the same, it's just, it's like, in, just like Tekken. It, yeah, yeah, no, actually, yeah, one hundred percent. Exactly like Tekken. <laughs> I, I was actually gonna say, like, in more of a Nintendo realm, like it's like the same reason I love Donkey Kong lore. Like it's stupid oh, yeah. as fuck. Like everybody's arms, like that's not a natural thing in that world. They're all wearing masks in that game, and that's what makes their arms stretchy. Yep. Yep. Well, it's, that, it's something I think else. that is a good controversial last one for the oh, for yeah. the main games. Like it's a bad game. What <laughs> <laughs> you? We, we need to get we need to get this game for Shay so he can finally weigh in on this. Um, I love it. I think it's really good. I actually think playing it with the motion controls is even better. Like actually punching at people and Ooh. then steering your little remote control arms on your slinkies. Mm. It's pretty great. It's um, pretty horrible. <laughs> well not talking about the games themselves but like just mentioning some of the games that uh i think that we've all enjoyed on this console would be good you can say like a 
brief one to two or one to two sentence blurb about it. For example, I'll go first. Hades. I played this game on the train so much, and I'm really thankful that it was available on the it. Switch because I was. I think it's the perfect portable game. I think that's. A really I never good played title. it there, but like, yeah, that that's that's a really great play. I I don't have to do much. It's not a big leap for me to imagine why it would be awesome to play Hades on the Switch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Another another one that I want to briefly mention, and then I'll I'll throw it to uh, Rich. Saga Frontier Remastered. That was the one I had to check to see if it was on other consoles. I couldn't remember. <laughs> Sorry. Oh yeah, it, it definitely it was. was. It de- I'm surprised. Yeah. Yeah, I <laughs> yeah you loved, have a disorder. We know. I loved playing that game on the Switch. Um, I I spent so much time last year playing that game, and again for me it, it made a lot of sense because I could play it on the go. Um, yeah, loved playing that one on the Switch. Rich, mm. what's one of the ones that you loved playing on the Switch? Um, a a game indie I played a ton of on the Switch was Untitled Goose Game. Oh yeah, uh, fantastic which game. Is, yeah, fucking great game. That goose is aggressive. <laughs> um, and there's nothing quite like I I played that game on a flight, uh, to L.A., which was a really good way to kill a six-hour flight. I love the goose. Yeah. Uh, Josh, what's one game that you've played on the Switch? Um, kind of, kind of similar to what I was saying about, uh, it just being super easy to pick up and play with somebody with, you know, no extra hassle, um, with, 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 uh, Mario Kart, like I mentioned before, uh, Overcooked 2. Yep. That's excellent to have on the Switch, kind of along the same lines as, you know, like we mentioned Mario Kart or, or Snipper Clips. It is a great system to just give one extra person a controller and then play a co-op game together with, or, yep. or yeah, it's just excellent, excellent game, and uh, yeah, it's a great platform for it. Absolutely. Love that game on the Switch. Uh, Ender Lilies was a game that I played a lot on the Switch last year, uh, especially mm. on the train a lot. That one, uh, the Metroidvania, very fun game. Had a lot of good time with that. Eastward, gotta mention that one, of course. Yep. One of our favorite games for last year. Yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, loved that game. Rich, you got one or two? Uh, yeah. I, uh, this is a game I had played in a million places before this, but Shovel Knight is still great. Uh, even better on the Switch. I played both of the bigger expansions there. Um, I just wanted to throw this out there. This is not an indie one, but I feel bad that I didn't mention this when we were mentioning bigger ones. How the fuck did I skip over Animal Crossing? Uh, I, I so kind of thought it was strange that, that we all skipped over it as well, but I just remembered. I'm like, oh, holy shit, that game got me through a pandemic. But like, yeah, we we talked a ton. Of, I, I got to need to add more about that. We all know Animal Crossing was great. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I didn't play it. So, yeah, that's. But yeah, you know how how big it was for people. Yeah. Like the the cultural impact is not lost on you. No, no, not at all. But yeah, I mean, like, that's why I forgot about it. But. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, like I feel weirdly bad because it was something I put a lot of time into and was like mm-hmm. during the height of the pandemic was a way I was spending a lot of time with my friends. Like we would jump in a discord call and be like, let's go hang out in Animal Crossing and have some yep. beers. Yep. Yep. That was. Yep. Exactly. Yeah, we got to mention that one. Um, Josh, do you have one or two? Uh, another like old one, but like this is the, the way to play it currently. I mean, other other than VR. Resident Evil 4, the, the Switch version of that is uh, outstanding, I think. I mean, it, it basically takes everything the Wii version did so excellently, which was just the best port of it before the Switch, and just puts it on the Switch. 
the, yeah, that we that we version is the best. So that port makes sense. And like you were actually interestingly enough saying the only time I've had more fun with Resident Evil four was as I'm still slowly working my way through that Oculus version because that is yeah. wild. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's a great way to play that. So if you've somehow I mean, it's it's old enough at this point that I'm sure there are plenty of gamers who never got a chance to when it came out. The Switch version of Resident Evil 4 is the way to go if you don't have a VR. No, even if you have VR, it's still worth playing more of the original version the, of it. The VR to, to one a context. is a, a totally different thing yeah. when you're you're literally shutting one eye in real life to make a sniper scope work properly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think I think that's a solid choice as well. Um Last one I want to just briefly mention is Monster Rancher, the the one and two DX collection. Um, obviously, you guys know that I really ha- love the first game, and I have a lot of memories with that game. So, gotta mention that one. I think it's a great game to take on the go. Absolutely phenomenal game because it's 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 a sim game essentially. You are training a monster and then battling with it. So, it's a great on the go game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that seems like that, that's a good form factor for that for that game. That makes a lot of sense. Absolutely. And that's the last game I'll mention. Um, Rich, do you have any other ones that you want to mention? Hmm. I feel like I'm weirdly racking my brain. Uh, there was definitely like, wow, oh, God. I feel like I'm forgetting one of my children, you know, it's it's just right. it feels shitty. Um. I mean, I think we hit the big ones. I'm sure there's some indie stuff I wanted to mention that'll probably slip through the cracks. Yeah, but it's been five years. There've been a lot of games. Yeah, so many games. Um, so much, so much great stuff on there. Um, I mean, the uh, Paper Mario. The I, I really King like that too. Is, is yeah, yeah, a great Paper Mario game, and I think kind of takes it in a new direction that works really well for for what they're actually doing with it. Um, I really enjoyed that combat. Uh, it's been quite a while since I can say I've actually enjoyed a Paper Mario game, and yeah, it's not a it's not a fucking ten out of ten game, but it it does some interesting stuff. Oh yeah, it's really good. It's really good. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, I mean, we can end that that part of the discussion there. I think there's a little bit more to talk about with the Switch, but I think we need to take a break at this point. We've been actually talking for almost <laughs> an hour and a half, so yeah. uh, let's, let's take a quick break, and we will finish the Switch talk when we come back from the commercial break. So don't go anywhere. Yes, dear. Good people of the Earth, if you're here listening to the Chompcast, I want to say a big thank you. Now, I don't know if you know this... But the Chompcast isn't the only podcast that we do. That's right. We have Evoking the Sublime, where Shay interviews game developers about the creation of their games. We also have Chomping After Dark, the podcast where we deep dive into the story of video games, as well as the occasional TV show and movie. And lastly, our newest podcast, Chomping at the Bits, went live just a few months ago, where myself and some friends break down the historical relevance of popular video games over the years. We have tons of content, and we'd love for you to check it out and let us know what you think. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts, or over at the Sword Chomp website. Now, if you ladies are done gabbing, I have some shit to do.
we're back. Uh, we just have a few quick last hitters before we give up the topic. Um, I wanted to give you guys a moment to talk about your absolute favorite moment ever with a Nintendo Switch. Um, can be anything. What What was your favorite moment with a Nintendo Switch, Rich? Um, I think for me, and I, I've talked about this before, and it's like a culmination of time and place, uh, because like shortly after, you know, shortly before the Switch launch is where I really got involved in games press. Um, and it was like those late night conversations I had with like a million different people who I was working on stuff with where like normally I'd have that with a few friends and stuff, but like the sheer amount of people I was in touch with, including people like I was talking to Morgan at that point back then of like sending screenshots and being like, have you fucking seen this thing? Have you seen, you know what I mean? Like just that game's sense of discovery and like the conversations around it is mm-hmm. not just like my favorite memory of the switch, but it'll probably be one of my favorite memories in video games for forever. That's, that's a good one. Yeah, absolutely. Josh, what, what was your favorite moment? Um, this one right now. <laughs> I don't know. We've, we've been through this before. I don't do moments. Um, that's true. That's true. Um, but but like yeah, as far as like kind of just the the kind of overall experience, yeah, it's like that that first time going through Breath of the Wild. Any sort of exploratory game like that, I think, really brings that out. I think that's a, that's one of the reasons I've loved the Soul series as much as I have because going through those at first, so little is known about them that kind of sharing that with the community and and being able to add to a conversation uh is such a cool experience that we used to all get back in the day before the internet was a thing and everyone knew everything about a game a month before it came out um but yeah breath of the wild was absolutely you know like a cultural experience when it came out uh as far as everyone sharing what they'd found in that game Mm. Those moments are always the greatest. Yeah, yeah. Um, probably one of my favorite moments with the game, and I know that are the system, and I th- I know this is going to be a little bit weird, but there's a game <laughs> called Ultimate Chicken Horse. I am and, very familiar with this game. Oh, yeah. And I I went over to my friends a few years ago here in Japan for a birthday party, and <clears throat> they had that queued up. And I, I come in there and I'm like, oh shit, I'm I'm good at these type of games. <laughs> and like I go in there and I'm just fucking stomping everybody. And then the the birthday boy, he's had some drinks, starts like he's like, Alright, I gotta I gotta hop on this shit now. And him and I just had this back and forth battle with other other people playing as well, but were they really playing? No. And <laughs> uh we were just going going to war against they each play other. They were playing themselves. Check- they were playing checkers. You were playing chess. Mm-hmm. Exactly, four D chess, um, as is popular on the internet. But yeah, we going to war. Ended up coming out victorious. Ruined his birthday for him. <laughs> slept with his girlfriend. No, not all that. <laughs> just kidding. Yeah, uh, I. I just, heard it's he a lost fish story. I'm going to keep escalating it. I Drink heard he lost his, his house after that. Took an upper decker in his toilet. <laughs> fucked his day up. No. Framed him for murder. <laughs> <laughs> uh, took his job from him 
silly bitch. No, um, but no, it, like it was a lot of fun going to war with him, and he's like, he, he was he was a little bit salty about it, but uh, we're still friends, and yeah, it it was that was my first like true moment of sitting down with the Switch, and yeah, I really enjoyed my time playing that game and that kind of actual party vibe with the Switch, which is yeah what the commercials were intending you to have it as. So mm-hmm. it's funny, like that that's what comes up for you because one, that game is awesome, but like I have no association with the switch for that. Like that is the game I bought a steam link for. Oh, wow. Mm. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. That's interesting. Um, I have two more questions for you guys. And this, this is a little bit more like philosophical and theoretical i guess in in some ways than actually just kind of like celebrating the switch rich do you think the switch has been a success overall Uh, yes i i mean i don't even think it's have to be a matter like it is it clearly is it has sold gangbusters for nintendo like after honestly um they've been kind of on the down like not you know since the wii Oh, yeah. uh, they have not quite seen any masterful success in the console space. Like the Wii U was a misstep and what happened next could have honestly made or break them in terms of hardware development. Uh, and I, yeah. the switch is an un, inarguable success. Yeah. Yeah. Cause the Wii was an unmitigated success, but got a lot of shit from core gamers. The, the poor just misguided fucks um that they were but going from the wii which unfortunately was not you know beloved by you know gamers tm going to the wii u which was just like rich said just just a, just a misstep in general and they were like yeah, it's, it's not for real gamers and i was like clearly you guys never played trauma center yep <laughs> uh right yeah i i mean Simply put, yeah, I think it has been such a revelation, the fact that I can play high quality games, not that anything like on the Game Boy or the 3DS weren't, but just in terms of specs and Mm -hmm. everything, being able to play that on the go has been such a revelation. I absolutely believe that it has been a success. Nintendo bridging its its handheld and home console markets was like it's one of those things where you at first you're like aren't you just kind of cutting into your own success there but it is it's kind of insane what they pulled off and I I I genuinely think can't wait to see what they do next because Nintendo has been known to get gimmicky at times but this is more than a gimmick and I think even they understand that like this is the type of machine they make now oh yeah 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 Yeah, they're very self-aware yeah, and I, I, I think that uh, a lot of the weird, just bizarre indie stuff that only came to Nintendo, kind of started happening with the DS and the 3DS. As far as, hey, you can, we've got an online shop for these things, and there was yeah. some weird experiments as far as gaming was concerned that didn't get a lot of attention in the, you know popular space at the time but i feel like a lot of that has kind of transitioned to the switch pretty well and people have seen you know some of the out there stuff and hopefully that you know has found a bigger audience and we continue to see more of that going forward 
uh, as far as that goes. I feel like there's been some success on that front. Um, just because, you know, it's a, it's infinitely easier to capture a Switch than it ever was any of their other handhelds because you can just plug it up to a TV. Um, yeah. So, like, the streaming audience was able to latch onto this in a way that wasn't possible on their handhelds As before. Someone who had a capture card installed in the 3DS, that's a lot harder than what you can do now. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Yes, absolutely. Um, so the final question I want to ask you guys, and then we'll get into some quick random facts and some quick listener comments. What do you hope comes next for Nintendo from the Switch? Like, what do you hope is like the direction going forward? What do you do? You, do you just want to switch to like a more powerful console? What what would you want the next step to look like, Rich? Uh, I think it's the easy, obvious one, which is a more powerful one of these. And I think once the yeah. Steam Deck, which is now technically out, is more widely available and you're looking at specs like that, that sort of path will become clearer uh-huh. in terms of something that is not quite a, a handheld PC, but is, you know, something with a better resolution, more horsepower, and, uh, you know, like the best form factor you can get out of a piece of hardware like that. Um, yeah. My only follow-up would be, don't call this thing a Switch 2. Don't be stupid. It's the Super Switch. Call it the Super Switch, you idiots. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they've missed some opportunities with their naming conventions before, but then again, it's hard to give them crap with that. With I have no idea what the current Xbox is called because they fucked that up so royally. Neither does Phil Spencer. He has no idea. I have no idea. You. Like We're in games journalism. No one knows what the new console is called. I think it's called an iPhone 9. You know, that sounds right. You're probably yeah. right on that. Um, I think it's like a MacBook Air or something. The Xbox MacBook Air. Yeah. Um, I mean, Steam Deck, from everything we're seeing early on, pretty powerful, but it's it's a PC. They, they don't help you out at all. Um, I think just making it a much more curated thing, kind of like the Switch was, like easy to just pick up and play a game. But don't you really want the switch important for the mass market sort of consumer? Don't you want the switch to also be that? Someone's like, I put DOS on this. I mean, I like being able to do that, <laughs> but yeah. having to do that is kind of where we're. we're yeah, it's we're maybe, maybe yeah. a little bit of the issue. Yeah, um, sure. Because yeah, it, like the switch is super easy to just pick anything up and play it. Um, and so it, it needs to be that simple. Um, yeah, agreed. Yeah. Do you guys want to see more reintegration with some like motion controls like the Wii had, or would you want to see them kind of work more towards VR integration in Nintendo properties? Is that a future you would want to see with Nintendo? I think the level of motion control stuff they currently have in the Switch is like a good middle ground, which is like yeah. you, those controllers are actually really responsive and they're good enough for if you want to do a gimmicky thing like that Wii Sports successor that's coming out. Yeah, but at the same time, like you know, for the most part, they just work like good, solid, real controllers when you need them to. Um, as far as the VR thing goes, I know people have talked infinitely about the possibility of strapping that thing to your face. I don't know what kind of compromises you're making to make something like that work or be a reality. I mean, uh, as someone who who put their PSP in a cardboard box and pretended that was VR for a while, I have to say, no, 
VR is not the future of anything. Stop fucking trying. It's fun. It's really neat, but it is an... That's not the future of jack um, shit. I don't, well, yeah, like, that's a whole different conversation, but, like, I don't think it's the future in the way of, like, everything is going to be eventually be VR. I think, like, we're going to reach that affordable place where, honestly, I think things like the Oculus Quest are already there, where it's like, yeah. this is the unit for VR games, and there's some really impressive shit here. Yeah. But it, not everything needs to be that. Exactly. I I think... I think it made it painfully clear when Facebook was like, oh, no, you're just going to work permanently inside VR when everyone's like, oh, I guess that's not the future then. That's 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 not going to be a thing that happens because Facebook thinks it is. Um, And they were like, we're meta now. And we're like, we're not calling you that. Yeah. um, Like, not that I'm a VR hater, but as far as it being the future of gaming, it's not. Uh, I think we're kind of seeing as far as market saturation goes, about what we'll ever see. Yeah, VR is not the future. It's AR. We all want holodecks. Exactly. God, I would fucking settle for a holodeck. The holodeck mm-hmm. would be sweet. <laughs> that yep. is the future. That is the mm-hmm. future. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't have much more to add to what you guys have said. I agree with a lot of what you guys said um, for the most part. So, yeah. More powerful Switch. Uh, I would love for all my games on my Switch to transfer over to whatever new model that they have and i would be happy i'm sure that won't happen yeah <laughs> considering their track record well you know it's, it's hard to even say that because like the fucking wii u played gamecube games so it's like <laughs> yeah they yeah, clearly really someone at nintendo still cares about that it's just like it's we ran no the consideration numbers, was given it would, to it going it would, into the switch it would actually be harder to make it not play gamecube games yeah yeah, exactly. Um, I'd like that. I, w- I would absolutely love just having your library I, continue you know to work what? going forward. But I'm with Josh. I think the Switch 2 should play GameCube games. Exactly. It needs to have a disk drive. Not one but, that's big enough, because like, yeah, form say, factor, not it would one. not work to play just Wii one and for Wii U game, games. <laughs> but just one just for GameCube game games. games. It doesn't even play original Switch games. Just yeah, GameCube games. Yeah, exactly, exactly. We just need a GameCube... It also drive. takes P- PSP UMDs. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking why not? Yep. Um, yeah, so let me read a couple random facts about the Switch before we get into the listener comments, just for fun. Uh, stuff that we didn't mention that I think is fascinating. It is the first true hybrid console. I mean, that goes without saying. It's the first console that you could actually take on the go completely and play. And um, you could also... Hook up to your TV and play as a console. I can't believe these people are forgetting the Super Game Boy. The Super Game Boy. The Super Game Boy. Y'all remember that? No. Oh, I remember that. It was basically a Game Genie-style cartridge that you plugged another cartridge into, but Mm. it puts your Game Boy games on the Super Nintendo. Hmm. I did not know that. Yeah. Okay. Well... The first mainstream again one. It w- that? like that's not wasn't a console in its own right it was just like an attachment that lets you play those games on the super yeah. nintendo yeah you take your bullshit and get out of here josh mm-hmm. not in my house uh you can click on the gray button on the home screen and it will find your joy con if you have lost it and you have paired your joy con to the system a mm. random fact um that I, I don't think not enough people know about 
Uh, you can connect up to eight Switch screens at the same time with Wi-Fi. So you can have mega screen, essentially. All right. That's the dream. Yep. That yep. is the dream. I just need to find seven friends. Exactly. And then, uh, and there are, <laughs> there are four different types of switches. The Only seven switch to are... go. <laughs> <laughs> You're close. So there's the original, there's the updated one, there is the Switch Lite, and there is the Switch OLED. So just some random facts there for you guys um, mm-hmm. of stuff that, that OLED, we had. baby. Got to get those facts in. Uh, so let's read some quick listener comments. We didn't have a lot this week, actually. I was kind of surprised by that. I figured more people want to talk about their experience. But um, yeah, I'll, I'll read a few of the quick comments that we have. Chuck Balls, I love that, said Mario Party with Not friends. Not what I do with them, but I respect it. Right. Mario Not Party anymore. with friends, which is a game we didn't actually mention. And uh, diving into Metroid Dread on the OLED Switch. That is one of his best memories of the Nintendo Switch. Um, Those are good that, ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mario Party is always a good time. Uh, Mar- Marcelo, Ra- Marcelo Rabbi said, actually owning one. I wish I had games, though. <laughs> <laughs> You'll get there. Yep. Someday. Someday you will. Peyton Jones 02 said, booting up Breath of the Wild on release day and playing Smash with my brothers. Booting up Breath of the Wild is a very, very, very good memory. Just getting into that game is so wonderful. Kind of funny. Qualities, though. That was mentioned again. Recurring themes. Recurring themes. And Parsifal the Otaku, our good buddy, said, I am Setsuna in Fire Emblem Three Houses. I spent 300 hours in a month on Fire Emblem. But I am Setsuna was such a beautiful story. I loved it so much. I had someone get me an actual Japanese copy so I could get the box for it. Oh yeah, I never played I Am Setsuna. I forgot about I Am Setsuna. I really like that game. It's, yeah, I've got uh, that on on Steam, not on not on the Switch, but it's really good. Yeah, that was one of the Tokyo RPG Factory ones that I I, I enjoyed. Not not the most inventive RPG story in the world, but it, it was a good one. Hmm. I'll have to check that one out someday. That's, that's it's it's wh- not a terribly long one. I, like, I, I like those games. I that like those games. Sounds right-ish. I think you can put more time into it if you want. You definitely can, but like the, some it, of the simmy aspects of it. Can... Sure, but it's not huge. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Well, cool. Um, obviously, we, I I kind of got that that uh that topic up at a weird time, which is probably why we didn't have many comments on it. Uh, this week was kind of just hectic with graduation stuff and everything, but usually I, I'm more punctual on that kind of stuff. But if you want to ever comment on the topic of the show every Thursday at the Sword Chomp Instagram, you can comment on the, on the topic and we will read it and we will kind of reflect on your guys's comments. We love that. It adds another element of stuff that we usually don't think about when it comes to this topic. Um, like I am Setsuna. That's one we didn't even think about. Yeah. Um, and yeah. we appreciate getting you guys involved in the show. So. If you're interested on that, every Thursday at Swordchomp on Instagram. So usually we take a break at around this time, but since we've already taken one break and I think we're going strong right now, let's just get into some gaming talk and uh, we'll probably end up taking another break at somewhere awkward, but Mm -hmm. uh, Elden Ring. Just cut me off in the middle of a sentence and we'll take a break there. Exactly. Okay. Good idea. 
Uh, Elden Ring is obviously the game that you guys have been, well, more so Josh than Rich, um, have been putting some time into. It's one of the ones that the world is talking about right now, so we got to talk about it. It's pretty good. Um, as you kind of alluded there, Shay, I have, and I've alluded to it earlier in the show, I have made it my mission to get a, a rather, as timely as I can manage, Horizon Forbidden West review up, so I put less time into Elden Ring than I would have liked, but I've still put a, a few more hours in since last week. Yeah. But I want to hear what Josh has been up to in the world of Elden Ring. Um, yeah, yeah, I have, uh, as I mentioned in the intro there, kind of been fighting the performance of this game because it is, it's not good on anything, but it's especially bad on PC currently because, as I mentioned, it's running on DirectX 12, which... is powerful but it basically handles handle it hands off all these shader caching to the game developers um and fromsoft dropped the ball on that on that front um so on pc it is just no matter what specs the machine is you're trying to run it on it is a stuttery game um anytime it loads anything new it stutters is not great um um and yeah whatever whatever that patch was they released on saturday just made it even worse for a while there it i played a little bit more um later on in the week after they released two other patches and it seemed to be better but also that was those, those are kind of initial impressions i've not gone anywhere new new to to see what it would how it would handle something brand new showing up on screen for the first time. Um, sure. As far as the actual game goes, cause I, th this, these are all things they'll get ironed out. They've, they've done a really good job in the past of eventually getting their games to just rock solid performance. Um, just sometimes that takes a while, unfortunately. Um, I could take or leave the open world bullshit. I'm I'm tired of open world nonsense. I, like I mentioned before, I think having an open world be threatening is a great way to do it. Um, that's one of the reasons I like Breath of the Wild and especially the hard mode of Breath of the Wild so much um, is because it kind of, you know, makes the prospect of exploring dangerous in a way. Um, and I think that works really well here, but you lose so much of the level design, like the really handcrafted bits. That I I, I don't know. I I think the open world exploration is absolutely the weakest part of this game by such a huge mark, and I understand why everyone loves it, because it's just the most video game video game to video game, and and I don't give a shit, like. Uh, I think the parts where it anytime you find a much more handcrafted level um, like th there's there's a like a kind of an underworld map that is much more handcrafted and less open than the overworld but it all connects up to that overworld that salvages the way the open world works in a really cool way um, by giving you these much more directed and designed experiences that 
make you think about how you're doing the exploration up above in the kind of overworld sections um, in a way that is really satisfying and kind of brings back a lot of that sort of uh, keeping the entire area in your mind in that sort of Metroidvania sort of um, having, having to understand a space intimately sort of a, a way. Um, and then kind of on top of that, just the gameplay of those is, is better because they know the way you're coming into it and where you're going through it. Uh, it's way more directed than a lot of the, you could be approaching this from any direction areas that are on the, you know, open world sections of the game that you're kind of exploring wherever else. Um, I have a quick question I, for you. Um, so when when this game first started, like people were starting to talk about this game when it came out and stuff, I kind of got vague vibes of um, Shadow of the Colossus in the way of that, like each area is like dedicated to one specific big boss, and you. I don't you can, think it's quite that. Well, hold on. No, no, I, I want to let you finish. I'm just, I, I'm, yeah. I'm just noting. Hold on, Kanye. Um, <laughs> you know what? I'm not going to let you finish. <laughs> We're going to go to break, fucker. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, that's not how that works. But You'd no. be interrupting yourself. Oh, yeah. But I, uh, I, I initially thought it might be like that, but the mm-hmm. more I've heard about the game, it seems less and less like that because the world is so densely packed with things that you can find that where Shadow of the Colossus is like a little bit a little bit of exploration, a lot of like the experience of combat with these fantastical gargantuan creatures, whereas this one, there's a lot of more focus on the exploration in tandem with the combat and it also feels like you can get into a lot more things is that fair to say yeah yeah no like these games have always let you go wherever you want but it's still been along these kind of predetermined corridors like it's it's very much handcrafted level design type situations um well that's the thing though josh is like i i kind of like not even necessarily disagree with you but it's just like i think the open world works for like the exact opposite reasons which are finding those those intricate spaces work really well and i think the open world is what makes this more interesting than what past souls has been to me which is souls really good at intricately designing areas and there are areas like that to find in this um, I, yeah, I think yeah. last week I said, and I, I, a lot of people were throwing this around at the time when it first launched that like, this is the most accessible souls game. And I don't really agree with that. Having put more time into it, mm-hmm. it's not any more accessible. It is still a weird obtuse fucking souls game that will kick your ass. It's more palatable and it's more palatable because with a world this size, unlike a souls game where you, you'd reach a point in a souls game where it's like, all right, this boss has been kicking my ass for 40 fucking tries and i've either got to try something entirely new or i've just got to go grind some stats up yeah in elden ring when something starts kicking your ass you can just go fuck off and find something else to do and it makes it way easier to cope 
with getting your ass kicked because you're like, all right, I can't yeah. handle this right now. I'm going to go find something else I can handle. Yeah, and I, I think having it be I open, think that's great. In, instead of having, in, in most of the other Souls games, you'll have three or four other places you could go to explore somewhere else, see if there's something else you can do. Um, a lot of the times, they're at least as hard as what you're doing, whereas in Elden Ring, you've got 45 options of where you could go. And you're going to find something that you can, even even at the start of the game, you're going to find some stuff that you're not going to have any problems with. Exactly. And you can use it to learn. And like, that's kind of interesting. Like I was telling you before Mm -hmm. the show, it's that discovery, the same Breath of the Wild, like, oh, did you see this thing? Like, did you see the stone statues over here and this and that? Yeah. And I was telling you, um, I found a, from Bloodborne, the the, Bloodborne had lanterns in it, which were like the answer to torches because you could Mm -hmm. clip it to your belt and you didn't need to have a hand that could have a weapon, have a torch in it. And I was like, oh, I found a lantern like in Bloodborne. So that's a thing in this. And it completely changed the way I play. And the discovery of the, oh, have you seen this? Look at this fucking crazy thing is one of the more interesting parts of it. And the way being able to say, I'm just going to fuck off and go see what's over here instead has changed the way I would play a From Software game. And I think that's really cool. Yeah, I think they do parts of that well. Like I was saying, like the the way a lot of the open world kind of connects back to that underworld section, which is as big as the overworld, but way more curated because it's, you know. It's narrow corridors yeah. and it's designed more um, intentionally. And there's a ton of other places like that. It's mm-hmm. like when you find that castle that the first boss Margaret is in, like that yep. is a really like, that's just a Dark Souls level on this map. Yes, yeah. Um, and I think that works really well. Um, it's like, it's, it's so weird. Cause like, I think some of my favorite parts of the open world are the more shadow, of the Colossus esque. You're just out in the middle of nowhere. There's really not a lot of enemies going on, but there's something weird going on over here. Like there's puzzles. There's, there's, there are, there are secrets in this world, the same as there have been in other souls games, but they're because you're less railroaded railroaded towards them. They feel really satisfying when you do, and they feel more intriguing. Yeah, yeah, and I think that I think that is one of the upsides to having an open world, uh, to find those things because they feel harder to find because there's just so much to look at. Um, and and there, I think there's those like things in those starting areas like everybody has seen, and that I'm like, I still don't know what the answer to some of this shit is. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm sure you've seen those um, those stone giants that will kick your ass. There's an area like near the starting area where there's two of them pulling this giant chariot. Yeah. And I can't take those motherfuckers. But every time I walk past there, I'm like, what the fuck is in there? Like, I want to kill them and find out what's in there so bad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you only have to kill one of them to stop them from pulling that thing. And you can. Well, the the main thing is not just that, Josh, is kiting like six of those guys and tricking them into killing each other. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um. I don't know. Like I'm I'm torn on it. Like I think for the most part the open world stuff is just there. Occasionally it works really well and occasionally it really takes away from what the game does well. I, um, I don't think your criticisms are invalid. Like I just it really works for me. And I think it's clear from the way people it really works for a lot of people. Yeah, no, I absolutely think like I, we I've talked about this I don't know how many times. Everyone was taught, you know, when this first came out, you're like, oh, look how great this is. Like, it's finally going to dethrone GTA 5. I'm like, the fact that it's de- dethroning GTA 5 is the problem. Like, that, that kind of, 
I, I, that sentence troubles me just because I'm still in the boat of like, they're like, GTA 5 is one of the biggest open world games ever. And I'm like, I don't know anyone who gives a fuck about GTA 5. Yeah. Exactly. Like, it's just, and like, all of the people I talk yeah. to play, like, because all the people that care about GTA 5 only play GTA 5. Yeah. Uh, and that, I don't know. That's kind of the, some of the feelings I'm getting from here. And again, it, that's, GTA 5 does not have dragons, to be fair. So it was Ex- never a fair competition. Yes. Yes. Um, it's not just an open world game, which is what I was worried about. And I think the open world parts of it aren't the best. It's not that they're the worst and they use them in interesting ways, but not strictly like it's the open it's world also bits probably, can be great, but they also can be some of the weakest parts of the game. I, I think they're mostly great. And maybe it's an unfair comparison because like it sucks that that's where my brain's at. But like there's something just delightful about seeing an open world map that is just mystery and is not covered in icons. Like oh, it's yeah. the same thing. Breath of the Wild did well. Yeah. Like. There are icons for like villages and points of interest, but it's not sensory overload with just an icon that's go do another one of these things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's something we need to see in. I mean, I, I everything. Mentioned, I mentioned this at the start. Like that's that's one of the reasons Valheim's so great. I I want more of this. I want more of the actual exploration. Like they 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 do handle this open world better than a lot of games. It's just. It's not what the series does best, and it's doing something completely different better than most other people are doing it, but it's not the high point for me as far as what they're accomplishing. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, um, valid criticism. I, I think I'm, I'm, I'm definitely enjoying that aspect of it more than you are, but I... I I get what you're saying. I, I think there's merit to it. Okay. Well, we'll check in when you guys get more time into that game. Josh, I'm sure we'll be hearing from you about it over the next few weeks, which is, um, which will be good. It'll be good to have at least one of us still playing the game for a little yeah, while. I'm, I'm going to definitely keep up with it. Like, if anything, by next week, I'll have put at least Horizon to bed and have definitely put a lot more time into that. So, oh, yeah. Cool. That'll be something. Cool. Well, let's talk about Kirby, the Kirby demo really quick. Uh, Rich yeah. And I, Josh, you didn't play it, correct? No, I didn't get around to it. Not yet. Okay. No kind of wanted to save uh, it for the real thing. We're so close at this point, but fair enough. Still curious. But... Hmm. Uh. So, I I was popping on uh the the switch on uh the switch marketplace or whatever you call it to pick up Triangle Strategy, and I was like, oh shit, there's a Kirby demo up there. So I downloaded that. It's uh three levels, uh two levels, and then a boss fight. What did you think of the first level, Rich? Uh, really good introduction. Again, we uh, like for those who are unaware, this is the first like real proper 3D Kirby platformer. Um, so the most notable thing is Kirby feels real good to control off the bat. Like he feels light and floaty in ways that make sense. Uh, got a good jump. They they sort of immediately hit you with one of those classic uh, like Kirby sword power, which feels good to use. And throughout that demo, you get a couple more. I think I was surprised at not just the first level, but through these three levels, how many abilities do you get hands on with real quick? And what I mean mm. by that is those that full mouth mode. Well, yeah, you get I to mean, do a bunch of those in this. Yeah, you're jumping a little ahead of where I wanted to go, but that's fine. We'll do it now. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's that's one of the notable things about the demo is that 
you they they do a really good job of showcasing everything that Kirby can do. So they give you access to I and this is just the amount that I found four different powers from which you know Kirby gets his powers from either swallowing enemies or finding the powers in the world and swallowing them. And they give you four of those. And the new mouth mode, which is what Rich is talking about, uh, there are three different modes of that. So in the demo, you can swallow a car, a vending machine, and a cone. And each one of them have a different ability. And they debut all of that within the first two levels. Yeah, they they show that stuff off really well and really fast and like how situational some of it feels and 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 I was almost I was almost surprised like when you when Kirby turns into a car with full mouth mode um it feels really good to drive Kirby is a weird thing like it's a it feels good to drive that car down the road um and the the level design just kind of flows nicely were you playing it on the um I believe it's called wild mode I opted to do the easiest mode just because, um, like I said uh, to you guys privately, I was hoping that I was going to be able to get some time in a triangle strategy for this episode, and unfortunately I didn't. I was trying to just get through it quickly. Yeah. Yeah, I I mean, I still beat it in probably 15 minutes, even on wild mode. It's not Um, hard. No, but but that's just the thing. Um, Kirby has never been... the game soccer I wanted to make when he made Kirby was he's like, I want to make something that anyone can pick up, but is also super challenging. So Kirby games and this one in particular is no exception based off the amount of secret collectibles and stuff that appear in these first three levels. Really accessible, really not punishing, but there's some super challenging stuff hidden in the levels. If you want it, you make your own challenge in Kirby games. That's always been what they have. And that, that's no exception here. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would say that's I would say that's a fair analysis. I uh there are definitely some hidden things that I missed in the game. One of the cool things is at the end of the second level is that at the beginning of the level, you're you're notified that when you come across certain things that there are there are quote unquote challenges in the level. And then at the end yeah. of the level it checks to see if you met all the conditions for each challenge. So it could be something as simple as release the extra captive characters or um help five tulips bloom things like that i i got most of them i missed one of the challenges unfortunately and like you said there are a lot of collectibles that the game doesn't explicitly tell you what they're for quite yet it is a demo not trying to get you too bogged down with some of that stuff but yeah there's a lot to do there there are a lot of secret paths um collectibles challenges to do so it seems like even though that the levels are fairly simple and short, that there's a lot of content to kind of mine out of each level. Yeah. The challenges have always been the thing in Kirby and that's, I think where you'll make your difficulty and make your fun. The, they don't get into how exactly it's going to work, but you do get to the point where I know a lot of this game is built out around um, Kirby is saving the captured Waddle Dees to rebuild this village. Mm. Um, you, you save a few of them during the demo, but you don't quite get to the city building aspect of it, which I think will be interesting. Mm. Um, I had, a, I had a fun note, which I enjoyed, which is thing. I think I liked about full mouth mode was if Kirby already has a power, but he uses full mouth mode, he keeps his little hat on, which I enjoy. <laughs> yeah. I love that <laughs> like, too. <laughs> like seeing a car with a little wizard hat. There, there's just something fun about that. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I, I, I do really like that. Um, I love the aesthetic so far. The first, First level takes place kind of in what the what the showcase 
uh, trailer showed where you're kind of like wandering around through the overgrown jungly city. The second level takes place partially in a mall and kind of like on top of the mall and in, in the area around there. And then you fight a boss inside the mall. Yeah. 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 And I won't spoil the, we, we shouldn't spoil the boss. And it's, it's a minor thing, but it's a cool little boss. It was not one that I was entirely expecting. It was a fun boss fight. Can I ask um, you uh, which power you use to fight the boss? Because the, the one I used, uh, I thought was like interesting in the way it affected him. I I use the same one then because I use the, the ice, ice breath. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, you you could literally freeze him in place, which I thought was was cool. It was really cool because you don't get that power anywhere else in the game, and it's like, oh, cool! I'm gonna use this random power that I just got, and then bam, yeah. you're in a boss, and you're like, oh your, shit! Your first exposure to it. I figured you would do the same as me, which is like, oh, I have not had access to this power yet, so that's the one I'm going to pick. Yeah, yeah, exactly exactly um yeah i i really enjoyed that i i've enjoyed i enjoyed the level layout and design it's pretty well done the music's fun um the sound effects probably can be annoying for some people i could see that with I like Kirby going, ooh, ah, ooh, ah. but uh it didn't really bother me that much i didn't feel one way or the other about it uh the one thing i will say and this is not a knock against the game it was just notable is i thought the game was going to be open world and may- maybe that's on me for assuming that, but this game is definitely not open world. And I oh, know no, it's not- level based. It's very level based. And I'm not the only one who thought that, you know, I was actually talking about it with some Japanese friends and they're like, yeah, I was like, have you, do you hear that the Kirby demo came out? And they're like, yeah, the open world game. And I was like, it's not open world. And like, really? And I was like, yeah, I thought so too, but it's not open world. And like, huh. I, I, I don't, I don't know why people made this. You know what I think it is? And I think people misunderstood this. Um, with the Waddle D village, it has a hub world. Yes. Mm. Like you're dispatching two levels from there. It, it like, and it was the way people were talking about it, like, oh, this is a first for Kirby. They were like, oh, Kirby's first open world adventure. No, no. Kirby's first three, like full 3d platforming adventure. But also it's like, where do you bridge the gap between that? Like some people look at Mario Odyssey and think of that as an open world game, but it's not, it's a, it's a level based game with multiple no, hubs. Yeah. It's exactly. Some of the larger worlds that Mario has been in, but yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. still very much level based. Right. The best way I would describe this, and this is how I've described it to my Japanese friends is that it's very similar to Mario 64 in that you hop in levels and then yeah. yep. you will have that hub, like the castle is essentially. And that's what exactly. This- yeah. That's what this game is looking like. Um, it's not necessary. It's a little bit of a disappointment um, that Kirby isn't getting a full open world game. But at the same time, to be honest with you, with how much open world games and big games we've had this year already, I'm OK with it. You know, it's it's not the end of the world. Yeah. Kirby's got mm-hmm. to leave Planet Popstar to kill God. And I'm there for him. Oh, God, if that happened. That's what he does. That's his whole thing, you know? Mm-hmm. I always, uh, again, it's the best. They go, they're like, uh, oh, you know, Dark Souls protagonist has to defeat the five elders. What's the plot of this Kirby game? An ethereal god ruined Kirby's tea party, so he murders it. Uh-huh. Dude, Kirby would be a devious god, evil god. No, he wouldn't. <coughs> but um, yeah, overall, good impressions of the demo. I, I walked away with it because, it, granted, I played on easy mode that is so short that I'm a little less likely to prioritize buying it. I still want to buy it. I'm still going to play the game and get the game. It's not as high on my priority list now. Um, 
I, I want to make sure I play, play and finish some other games before I dig into that game. But I still am very excited about the game, and I definitely want to play it. Rich, I know you have a slightly different opinion on after having played from me after having played the demo that you basically said you're you're completely on board oh yeah i'm in i love good platformers like this this is a tight platformer that feels unique enough like it is bringing the things that are uniquely kirby to 3d platforming in ways that make sense and i'm i'm eager to sink my teeth into that like it's it's not going to be a super challenging one, but it's one of those games I kind of can't wait. Like I'm going to be juggling a million other things while this game is out, but like Kirby will be that thing that like, this is relaxing. I'm enjoying this. You know, this is good times. We need those games from time to time. And look, it's clear that it's taken some inspiration (laughs) from something like super Mario 64 and other games of that ilk. Those games are some of the most beloved games of all time. So why not? Of course. Yeah, of course, of course, of course. Cool. Um, Let's talk a little bit more about Horizon Forbidden West. I haven't put much more time into it, unfortunately. Again, this week was me. Insanely... Just like fifty more hours. Well, you have. I haven't. Is no, I'm no. Saying. I was. I was making like not not a lot for me either. Just like fifty more oh, hours. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay. Um. Yeah, I was really busy this week, but I did put some more time into it. I got to the point, Rich, where you were talking about how there's did the a Kryptonian like, show up yet. The well, the literal line in the sand is drawn, oh, and okay. then uh, that starts uh, that stuff starts taking off. That is the first moment that I've actually gotten interested in the story. I, I want to say that here and now, um, kind of picking up where we left off last week with the talk. You and I were talking about this a lot privately. The game like takes really long just to get into. The game and it's not necessarily well, you're not that. into it yet either is you're like 10 hours away from when it gets interesting <laughs> well and that, yeah that's the thing is like it's not a it's not a major knock i'm not trying to completely shit on this game i, I don't oh, want it me. to come across as that because the gameplay is still fun and wandering around that world is really great but the story i just i i, I, f- I felt like I, w- I was feeling guilty in a way like why don't I like this story? I couldn't give a fuck less about what's Jay, happening. And Jay. then when that point came up, I was like, as ridiculous as this is, I'm finally starting to get invested in the story. And it took, well, 10 hours to get there. You want to hear something crazy, Shay? I, I don't think you should. I don't think you should. And be we're going on break. All oh, right. We'll be right. No, I'm just kidding. I, told you I don't think. Do yeah. I, know. I don't think you should be invested in the story yet. I don't think you're close to the interesting part yet. Um, which is, I'm going to dance around some stuff because I don't want to spoil it for you. I don't want to spoil it for anyone. Please. Yeah. Um, that game, and, and you and I were talking privately, and I feel like a lot of games have been doing this recently. It does itself a disservice because it front loads some of its least interesting stuff. Yeah. And what's keeping me going through that game, and I'm doing like pretty much all the side stuff because I am enjoying it. I really enjoy the combat in Horizon the same way I did in the first one. Um. The story is what has me completely hooked now. Like, I'm super invested in the lore of that world, and it's going to super interesting places. And I don't even think you have an inkling of the interesting places it's going yet, because... And for anyone who's, who's at those same points with me, um, the funny thing is, the way the story goes is actually something people predicted on Reddit after the first one, but not in a... This is probably where it's going to go. Be like, wow, imagine if they did this. That'd be fucking bananas. And that's exactly what they did. <laughs> um, 
And there's a lot of setup in the early game that sort of foreshadows where it's going to go. But I am now past the point where I've done the the Zelda part of it is what I'll call it. I've gotten the three things I was supposed to get. Um, and now I'm going after some elusive fourth thing. Uh, I've seen most of the map. There's. I'm trying to think of the good compliments to pay this. I, I told you guys last week that I think some of the smartest stuff it does is it totally shatters your expectation of what certain mission types are by having you get there and having it be completely different. But at the same time, it's greatest weakness is one that it's still just a big map full of go check this box. And frankly, I'm in the mood for that right now, so it's fine with me. But like, that's still not great. I think like we can do better than that in video games. And the other thing is there's way too much loot, like I, uh, too much shit to sort through. Yeah. Yep. I, that was an issue at the first game. Like, why? Why? Why is there so I, I much? I think it's shit worse now to to look at, and, and none of it matters. It might not be worse now. It might just be that it's been so long since I played the first one that I didn't remember how bad it was. But yeah. it feels worse to me. Yeah. No, I hated that about the first one because like, <sighs> you basically have like four weapons, and then they kind of give you just these the tiniest modifications on that. And and force you to like, it's it, it's 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 handled so poorly the way they and do the gear in that first game. They do it similarly in this one where you are upgrading your equipment. There's there's more equipment than the first game, from my recollection, in terms of not just weapons but armor. And they and roll a f- out a lot of that stuff fairly quickly at the beginning of the game. Well, the armor was in the first game too. I'm saying there's more of it in this one. Pro- you're probably right about that. I, I don't know for sure, but you're probably right about that. Um, but it, it is very much of the same progression where you are killing things and you're collecting things. Now, I don't remember if this was in the first game. I have, I'm pretty sure it wasn't. Like, 90% sure it wasn't. I could be wrong. You're also hunting animals in this game, and that it also... It was in the first gets, game. Yeah, That was, is in yeah. the first... Okay. Okay, yeah. I'm sorry, then. I was wrong. I didn't remember that. Okay. Well, you're yeah, doing that's kind that of your here. crafting... Yes. Well, half your crafting, half of it comes from machines, half of it comes from pretty much all your pouch like stuff, biological much stuff. Yeah, in the first end game and in this one, pretty much all your utility pouch stuff comes from animal parts. Yes, yes. Um, so I mean, I guess, I guess, then that that a lot of that is one and the same. Um, th- there, there's a lot more to do. I, I like the skill tree actually in this game. Uh, all twelve of them. Yeah, well, I mean, I like I. It almost reminds me of a primitive sphere grid in some ways. Yeah, it's definitely got an element of that. It doesn't mm. intersect like that, which I think would be more interesting if it did. I agree. I agree. But yes, it um, has that like primitive sphere grid from Final Fantasy X kind of vibe to it, um, which I've enjoyed that aspect of it. Sure. But yeah, the collecting has been overwhelming. It, well, yeah, I mean, like I like Josh said, I remember that for the first one, picking up fucking Ridgewood for the 5,000th fucking time. Um, that's one of the hey, things I did. Don't worry, that'll put that in my stash. Well, that's mm-hmm. the thing I learned um, from the first game is like, just get all this collecting shit out of the way up front. Which, and then you can I mean, ignore it later on, yeah. Well, while we're on that, I actually wanted to point out some of the quality of life stuff that... Well, hold, hold on, hold on, hold on. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, let me ref- finish you know, reflecting on what you were talking about. I... Okay. Um, yeah, I was, I was just trying to bridge it from that because it's no. It's I appreciate. Related, it. I but. I appreciate it. Um, the the other thing I will say, and this is something that again, Rich and I were talking about privately, that he's kind of skating around is we had 
we were talking about the fact that in in gaming recently we've noticed that there have been some games that take a long time to get into the story um i had mentioned no one knows how to start a game well i had mentioned that days gone and red dead 2 were both games very guilty of this that have great mechanics that have a lot going for it but the story is so fucking tedious both those games don't know how to start or end (laughs) or have a middle in red dead's case like there's a great game but it's like Red All the good, good parts happen to have five hours of shit in between them. Yeah, there's some haphazardly really cool parts in that. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. And, and look, it's, it's a really hard thing to find a balance between having a huge open world and all of it being interesting a la Breath of the Wild and being able to connect that to the next parts of the story in an interesting and meaningful way. Mm-hmm. I'm not taking away from any one of those three games because I think they're all objectively good to great games. Um, I, I think Horizon Forbidden West is, a, as of now, a good game. I haven't put enough time to say it's great. I, I just think that gaming, as it stands, hasn't figured out, or developers haven't figured out how to make an interesting and meaningful story and bridge that over the span of a massive map. I haven't found any game that I was like, this is the definitive version of this quite yet. You know, well, I, I've been giving a lot of shit to open world games lately, and I, I think it kind of boils down to this is, is the amount of time they expect you, pacing-wise, to, to take going through these areas. Um, like, it's, it's tough to nail because they expect you to put so much time into them. There needs to be something that makes that effort worth it to you long term outside of just the you're gonna unlock a killer node on the skill tree if if you keep grinding the shit out type well, rewards mm. that so many of them give you um it, it, and honestly i don't think many of them do it well at all outside of the ones where there's some sort of social aspect to it like i I appreciate the very large maps on something like Valheim, like we said. On unlike MMOs, when it's like the the assumption is you're gonna be wandering around this map for months. Talking to people. Talking yeah. to people, fucking around doing whatever else. Fucking but like that fucking. too. Exactly. Um but like in a single player game, it generally just feels like it's in the way. In a well, lot of cases. Well, think think about it this way, and maybe there are going to be people out there or even in this podcast that disagree with me. Let's look at Pokemon Legends Arceus that had Mm -hmm. not necessarily the most engaging story, but it had a decent story, I believe. Um, Yeah. And there's a lot of time in between each story thread and the endgame stuff. While like the, the ending of the story was fairly interesting, fairly rote, but fairly interesting. The thing that really drew me to keep wanting to play for all those hours is that I'm I'm completing a Pokédex and that the, that's part of yeah, it. Yeah. Uh, um but I feel like I'm actually actively participating in that and that's the the amazing thing about that game is it made me feel like I'm actually doing this and then in terms of yeah. the end content is when you are collecting all these Pokémon and you're hitting all these challenges getting your research level up you have the opportunity to get alternate versions of Pokémon. Yeah, um, yeah, no, I think that's one of the ones that actually does it well, and it's because your reward 
per se for doing all these is kind of what you start out the game doing. It's finish this Pokedex if you want to. Um, and they allow you to start working on that right away. It, like it is, it is, you've got the story to get through and you can just do that beeline through it or whatever, but you're kind of given the objective of finish this Pokedex um, right out of the gate. And it kind of feels like a thing you've been working to this whole time. It's not, oh, I'm at a new area. What random shit is there here for me to go find? It's, oh, I, I know exactly what there is here. I don't know what I'll see yet because I'm going to be finding new things and exploring, but it's it's always kind of based around that same, I'm going to fill out the Pokedex. Let's, let's find out what's going on in this new area. And that works really well. Uh, I think I, I think right. kind of it. You're you're already on board before you get there. Not everyone's going to be, but I think just personally, I think that works really well to make you invested whenever you get to a new area. Right. I would agree with you on that. And one of the things that I think you're hitting on the head is that it gives meaning to the collecting that you're doing. You know, you're not yeah. collecting for collection's sake about shit that you're not going to use, like in five hours like if i'm collecting to upgrade my equipment and then that equipment i'm just going to do away with in five hours when i find an even better piece of equipment it's like why the fuck did i just grind and collect for nothing um you don't have that feeling nearly as much and and i'm not sitting here trying to talk about pokemon legends arceus but i think they gave purpose to the collecting much better than a lot of games do well yeah Yeah. if i get if I could speak to like the um, it's it the way the way open world maps are used, and I think Horizon is really guilty of this in a way that that bothers me is it's another one of those games that like it spends way too much time in the beginning in the least interesting parts of its map. Um, the daunt is fucking boring. Like when you get deeper and you get to like the California redwoods, um, there's a big portion of the story that takes place in the ruins of Las Vegas. Uh, like this, this game actually uses a lot more real world places, uh, than the first one did. Uh, like as far as icons go, like there's a whole narrative plot beat with part of the, like, it's been a thousand years since the world ended in the world of horizon. Part of the Vegas strip has sunken underground and there's a whole chasm to explore there. It's amazing. Like Hmm. it's some of the coolest shit in that game. Yeah, um, like they they gave you a good sense of place in the first one, but it was always more climb to a place, look at a screen, you know, like here here's a picture of what it would have looked like beforehand. Like this this game has a lot more one to one. Like the, you're on the Vegas Strip, you're I'm on my way to San Francisco now. I was in like the California Redwoods. Like there's there's mm-hmm. a lot more. Here's some real ass places. Well, I, mean, I well again that, oh, that was in the first, but it was more collectible vague things like um the vantage points were kind of how they used that like here climb up to a spot and they'll give you an audio log while you look out there and see a skyline of somewhere in colorado um sort of things um sure also it was colorado so it was boring (laughs) (laughs) well here's what i'm gonna say about that the actual nature of the daunt is not boring and it's for me it's very very much nostalgic oh God, for you me. have stockholm syndrome 
it's nostalgic and and i talked about that last week the the problem with that is that it's so similar and you're basically being the problem with the daunt is you're being put in, in essentially into a valley and uh you are surrounded by mountainous territory you're surrounded by scree um and a lot of that stuff is unfortunate because from what it seems like is about to happen at the point I'm at. What I know about the game, what Rich it's knows about the game, in about twenty hours, is that the 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 further you get in the game, it feels more like a playground at that point, and there's so much <coughs> to to discover. And it's got to be really hard trying to roll out all of this stuff in a gameplay style tutorial where it's not a true tutorial, but it's like here's everything you can do in the game. Here's an area for you to practice doing it all without it being too short or being too long, too difficult or too easy. And I don't think that they quite nailed it here with the daunt per se. Uh, unfortunately, I, I think the daunt that I, should have been smaller. They should have pushed you out of it quicker. Like there's too much to do in the daunt. That's exactly what I was, yeah. what, what I, 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 I wasn't going to say, but I agree with you on that is Probably. I think the daunt was a little bit too big, um, a little bit too much to do. It's too densely packed in a way that starts to distract you. Hmm. And a lot of that stuff is like, there's almost like a Metroidvania aspect to there. You're finding a lot of shit you straight up can't do right now. And the last bit of that, I only just got the thing that lets me do, which is those, those metal flowers. I just got the thing that lets me clear those. Oh, okay. I've been Um, wondering about that because I found one of those. If you want to hear the weirdest pacing story ever, uh, I'm sure by now you've explored those relic ruins, Shay. Yeah, I've Um, done one. There's so you find ornaments right where uh aloy will be like i don't know what this is but i might need it later so i'll hold on to it i learned what those do last night i've been playing for 55 hours i've been (laughs) wondering what those are uh and you only learn what they do from doing a random side mission in the vegas area huh huh so is it worth like i mean i love the process of collecting them but the actual getting them is that worth it Here's what I'll tell you, and I really like it. I think it's really interesting. I don't want to spoil it. Okay. But basically, the more of them you have, the Vegas area, which I think is the coolest area in the game, hmm. um, you can change the way that whole area looks using those. Okay. Hmm. Cool. Okay. I, I will make a point health to keep in the first them. one. I can't. I'm, I'm playing it, and I can't even remember. I, I don't remember. They were a little different than that, yeah. but I, I did want to, we, we like completely sidetracked, but I did want to mention this stuff because I didn't bring it up last time. And I think it is important. And as someone who's replaying the first one, Josh, you might appreciate these quality of life things that a yeah. lot of people might not notice. Um, when you are tagging machines with your focus in this, a great thing they added is you can tag individual machine parts and the mm. data in those parts will specifically tell you this will break huh. if you do not knock it off before you kill the machine. Like, oh, that's so cool. it may, um, and the other thing you can do with Shay, you might not even have engaged with this and I would recommend doing it with everything because it does not clutter your AI. When you were looking at crafting an upgrade for something in this game, you can mark it as a mission. Um, doing oh, so cool. d- does not add a mission tag, but what it does is if you see a rabbit, the game will auto tag it and go, you need something this drops, you should kill it. Oh fuck! That is really. I think you could make missions in the first one, but I don't think it did the auto tagging. I I don't remember, but yeah, like it'll. I'm pretty sure the auto tagging is a new thing. I'm pretty sure it is too. 
It'll go like, there's a claw strider over here. You mm -hmm. need a claw strider tail. You should go over there. Yeah, no, I think you could put it, you could make, I'm pretty sure you could make uh, new, new, uh, like crafting abilities as like a mission and it would just put it up, you know, on your, I, on your I didn't remember that, but on the screen. Yeah, like e even if it, even if it wasn't the first one, it's worth mentioning. It is a yeah. good feature. Yeah, no, the rest of it was definitely not in there as far as the automatically tagging when you go buy something that you need to collect from. Because frankly, <laughs> there's a lot of stuff to upgrade. Um, yeah. There's some really cool armor sets in that game. I found some ones I really like. I've actually, I plan to go back and do a lot more of the arena missions because you can get some of the, there is an arena in this, like in the first game. Mm -hmm. um, and you can get a lot of really cool armor sets from doing that stuff uh there's a lot of crazy ass machines uh the narrative took another weird turn at like the 50 hour mark for me last night that i'm really excited to see where that goes but it, it's funny because i don't want to rush shay along through it but like i really want to talk to somebody about the weird shit that starts to happen in that <laughs> game because shay you might be like me and i can't wait to talk to you about it when it does happen we're part of your brain was like are they gonna they're not gonna do that and then they do it and you're like huh nice nice i'm gonna yeah i do i do want to get to it it's <laughs> with triangle strategy being out uh, you're yeah. gonna probably have to hold your breath on that but uh i do want to play it uh, i get I, I, it. I i really just want to talk about it with somebody okay i mean i can prioritize <laughs> it if because yeah, we want to do a spoiler discord on it, so maybe i should you should just let me uh do like write it and then it'll just be like i'm telling you a story like don't even do any research i'd be okay with that <laughs> I would be okay with that, but um, just sit down on your carpet square, cross-legged, <laughs> like, like cross, story cross time with Mr. Rich. Hands on my knees, yep, looking up intently <laughs> mm -hmm. with a gleam like, in my eye. Then, like we do it in like three night installments. You're like, gee whiz, how's Aloy gonna get out of this one? And be like, well, we'll find out tomorrow, Shay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, how's she gonna get out of this bucket of syrup? <laughs> That is a thing that people in the South say, I assume. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I like I said, I'm the combat is basically what it was in the first one. I think the the most interesting way they shake that up is by making human combat more interesting because now other people are taming machines, not just Aloy. Yep. That needed to um, happen. I finished an entire side mission branch uh, earlier today when I got home from work that I think might be my favorite in this one yet. There's a bunch of uh, the Tanakh, which are the new faction, who just... They've been taming the Chargers, which are the main mount. Um, they just made a Mario Kart league. And I mean literally Mario Kart. Like, there's pickups. There's a yellow module you throw behind you. It's a banana peel. That's amazing. It's, there's a Mario Kart league. They're pretty great. <laughs> yep. Yep. That's the, that's the sort of memory that would stick around after a thousand years. That, that someone yeah, needed like, to recreate Mario Kart. The, the urge to play Mario Kart yep. is primal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh yeah the story is really what's keeping me going like the gameplay is what it was in the first one which is a gameplay i really like it feels when when it's feeling the most monster huntery is when i love it the most but uh yep. i'm really invested in that narrative i really like this world and i, I can't wait to see where it goes cool yeah I, i'm excited to get more into it i not as excited as when it first came out but i'm still excited so I, yeah it takes a long time to hook you like i i i that's so true, and I'm so glad I powered through it to be like, no, this is gonna get good, and then I'm, and then I'm, and then it fully did. sunk into it. Yeah. yeah, it did. It takes quite a while. There's some Mass Effect stuff that we'll talk about at some point that kind of happens along the way. You, you kind of have a ship and a crew. It's a whole thing. Mm, this game's uh -huh. cool. 
Cool. Well, we have one more quick game we got to talk about um, that Rich played that Josh wants to play more of called Vampire Survivors. Yeah, um, this will be a quick one. This game, let me start by saying I'd recommend it to anyone who can pick it up. It costs $3. Oh, yeah. um, and it has been my decompression game in between all the big shit I'm working on. <coughs> so it is a roguelike game that is very simple. Um, you're picking from one of four characters. It's very uh, Castlevania-inspired in its character designs. Yes. And you are spawning into a plane that is filled with different enemy types, like zombies and ghosts and, you know, swamp people and all that. And you are just walking through it, and you are auto-attacking. Like, basically, you're picking up abilities and leveling up, and it'll be things like, you have a whip that every two seconds just fires off in front of you. Um... So you don't have to physically attack. You just have to move and dodge. And as you level up, you keep adding new layers to that attack. You'll be like, now the whip goes twice as fast and it whips behind you as well. Now you also throw a knife out in front of you. Now you're throwing holy water down as you move. And you just kind of keep expanding upon that. It's really, really quick, but you can also lose time into it. Um, It's got a great, like, 8-bit look to it, like a classic, like, like an older PC game or an NES game, really? This, like, this was an older PC game, and my mind is completely blanking on it, but this was another game before, not by the same people, but it was the same situation, but, but you could aim. Same type of game. You could sure. aim in the first one, and my mind is completely blanking on it. Someone will know what it is, which is completely unhelpful for everyone else at this point, unless they comment. Comment. Yeah, but, guys. It's, um, but it's, it's very much about that, that feel of just like that sort of exponential upgrade path thing. It almost feels like a tower defense thing, but mm-hmm. you're the tower and you're constantly on the move. Yes. Um, and it's all pulled together by like that very classic Castlevania aesthetic and that very Castlevania inspired music. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's been that thing where like, after I'm like, I have checked off enough horizon map markers for today. I am going to just do a couple runs of Vampire Survivors and just yep. like take in that music and relax and like it's fucking three dollars. It's really cool. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think I, it's I still number early pe- access on Steam, so I think that's yes. the only platform it's currently on be- because I believe of so. the early access state of it. But it's 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 worth it if you've got the toaster that it requires to play the thing, um, and you have and you have two ninety nine. Yeah. And I believe, yeah, I, I, there's a lot more going on underneath the hood. I think there's actually, like, a total of, like, 11 characters. I have, like, four of them. Um, but it's a simple thing that just feels reward. Like, it's another one of those games that works because it constantly feels like you're making progress. Like, even when you're failing, you're, every run you're unlocking, like, another yeah, two things. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, every run is a failure. Like, that's, that's, that's how the run that's, ends. Yeah. Yeah, like yeah. You're, you're you're playing, but even when you're... it feels like a simple failure, you know, where you're like, I only lasted like two minutes. Yeah, it's that very arcade sort of. I'm gonna get as far as I can, sort of, uh, you know, feel to a run. Um, yeah, which I like. I, I like that sort of. You know, I'm, I'm gonna hop in here, play for five minutes at the most, and then kind of be be done. I also, I'd imagine it's a great Steam Deck game because also it has touchscreen support. Like, yeah. that Steam version has touchscreen support, so I can imagine that being pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, very simple, incredible. Like, it costs the same amount as, like, a soda. So, I don't know. Like, 
get a Diet Coke and, and pick up some Vampire Survivors. Oh, yeah. Spend a, to- spend a total of $7. Um, I, I really like it. I'm going to keep putting, like, you know, 30 to 40 minutes into it here or there. Oh, yeah. Cool. I mean, that's, I mean, nothing wrong with getting a quick, easy game to decompress. We always need more of those. Yeah, it's it gives me that dopamine I need, you know? <laughs> cool. Well, let's go on one final quick break, and we have just some quick back-end uh, stuff for the podcast. So we will be right back. Ah, the summer breeze. The sun is beaming. The waves are crashing. Life is good. Mister! Mister! Uh, m- what? Mm. What in the blazes is going on? X-ray! X-ray! Read all about it! Read what, lad? Spit it out! How did you find me on vacation? Swordjump has tank tops, beach towels, and much more over at store.swordjump.com! Store.swordjump.com? Store.swordjump.com! Store.swordjump.com Yes! Store.swordjump.com! Store.swordchomp.com Yes, damn it! <sighs> it worked. I can enjoy my afternoon nap in peace. Hey, mister. Did you hear about store.swordchomp? And we are back with... Chompcast. We're going to do some social media polls to wrap up this show. If you've been here a while, you know what this is, and if you haven't been, well, let me tell you what it is. Thanks. Thanks for that. Uh, yes. <laughs> um, so, unrelated cork. Yeah, always. There's Classic. always fucking unrelated corks with you people. Um, the fuck did you just say to me? Because I didn't hear you. Oh, okay. Every Tuesday, every Tuesday at the Sword Chomp Instagram, um, you can vote on some social media polls that we run. We love to discuss the results, and uh, we love to get you involved in the show. So the first poll I ran was 2022 is the year of the long game, posting pictures like Horizon, Elden Ring, Arceus, Breath of the Wild 2, if that actually drops, Dying Light 2, and Starfield. And 60% of people said, I'm about that life. And 40% of people said, who the fuck has time? Does it feel like this is the year? Like, I think this is ironic. Like, I had this thought at we the beginning of the week. could have this a year or two ago. Yeah. That's my exact thought. 2020, the world shuts down, uh, like, truly shuts down, and... People are holed up for six months, a year, and we hardly got any games. Games were just delayed left and right, even last year. This year, the world is finally opening back up in some way, shape, or form. Yes, that's the time. Release the long game. Exactly. Which one? All of them. And, and not even throughout the year. 
we're we're barely three all, months all in. All in the month of March. Yeah, and all of them have come out. Um, frankly, the end of last year too. They started hitting because the we we got the Final Fantasy fourteen expansion, which kind of has brought a lot of attention back to that, and that's a massive game. I'm already about eight hundred hours into that. Yeah. Um. So you're almost out of the starting area. Uh, yeah, I've I've almost gotten to level ten. Um, cool. Cool. We'll be able to quest together soon. Exactly. <laughs> um. Yeah, but yeah, it, there's been so much stuff dropping. So just like one after another. Yep. Absolutely. Um. Yeah. Just but like, are you guys surprised by that? That sixty percent of people are on board with. Um. The long games, or are you kind of surprised I think, that I think they're liars? I I don't like. They think that's what they want. They don't know what they want. I understand it because when I was a lot younger, the amount of time I got out of the money I put in was a massive, massive consideration. And that's not for me. I stole that, everything. Well, yeah. I mean, on, on the games <laughs> I paid for. Sure. Um, sure. So, you know, a good 5%. Um, so, like, I, I understand that, but also, I don't know. Like, I'm I'm, I'm torn on this, because, like, I get it. I still, I completely understand that. I, I completely identify with the urge to play a game forever. Um, the masculine urge to never stop playing Elden Ring? Well, exactly. Like... I would do that way more if I didn't also have a podcast that I need to talk about new games on more mm. regularly, which sure I enjoy. Like I really enjoy playing a much wider variety of games than I would naturally. But because I feel that need to play new games for the show, anytime a long game comes out, it's just like, we need to wrap this up. Yeah, yeah. Like I feel like I'm just getting stagnated by by a long game when I like I I need to have something new to talk about. It's been three weeks and I've been talking about the same game um this whole time and everything just came out super long. Um I've not even started Forbidden West yet, but I'm sure I've got another hundred or two hundred hours of Elden Ring left in me. Before I get to that, it's it's just yeah, sure, yeah. It's That's so much. It. It's so much to get through if you've got a reason to, you know, to get through all of it. And right, yeah, right, 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 right. Yeah, I I feel a little bit of that stagnation as well, Josh. But like at the same time, because there's so many games coming out in quick succession. Mm-hmm. A, I'm worried about my wallet. B, I'm worried about yeah, making sure I give each one of these games a fair shake. Yep, yep. No, the wallet's a big consideration, uh, especially especially considering we moved back to the south, which has no health insurance because, of, of course, they don't. Jesus is your health insurance. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, money's a lot Everything tighter now that we moved back here, um, which... It's fine. Like, you know, you end up where you end up, you deal with it. But yeah, money's a lot tighter now than it had been, which is one of the reasons I picked up an MMO again, which sounds like 
oh, you you want a monthly game to play constantly and you have to keep paying for it. But as far as like money goes per entertainment hours you get out of it, MMOs are super It's a big bang it's a lot of bang for your buck. A lot of bang for your buck, exactly. Um Yeah, yeah, it's 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 definitely a consideration that I've not been dealing with before because in Michigan we were a lot more You were extravagantly liquid um compared yeah, compared to where we are at the moment. So cool. Anyway. Anyway. Yep. Anyway. Yeah, I'm in the camp of who the fuck has time. That's where I'm at right now. I mean, I love long games, but who the fuck has time? Yep. Not not me, but I do it anyway. <laughs> Pokemon Scarlet and Violet won't allow you to, quote-unquote, catch them all. Much like Sword and Shield, you cannot import every Pokemon that has ever existed into the new game. Um, there will be a limit to which Pokemon can be in this game. And I said, is it time to change the motto, gotta catch them all? 49% of people said, hey, what's up with that? And 51% of people said, eh, who cares? What do you guys think? Is it time to change the motto? No. I mean, the motto still makes sense. I am change the mindset. Yeah, we we don't need every Pokemon in every game. I I think put them on a rotation a la magic cards or something. But how fucking dare you? Well, here's kind of the thing. I I don't understand the people who are still like actively upset about this every time it happens. Just people who like widely don't understand how much work goes into making games like this. Why do you want unfeasible that is? Why do you want to catch Pikachu again for the twenty seventh fucking game? They're never gonna not have Pikachu. That's why I'm saying it needs to be on a rotation. We need to have a game without Pikachu at some point. Which no, Pikachu's never gonna leave the meta, and it's never gonna happen. It no, it's 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 not because something I think most people don't realize is. The games are only about ten percent of of the business model of Game Freak. Yeah. Um, right. Most of their money comes from merchandise. Yep. Yes. Um, Thanks, Obama. Yes. So so constantly having new Pokemon to to feed merchandise into, you know, the pool is big is kind Pokemon. Of the, the point of all these new games. Um. People are already fans of these old Pokemon. They're going to buy the plush Pikachu. There's no reason. They don't have to keep selling you Pikachu at this point. But, you know, he still shows up. But it, it's kind of the same thing with, with, with anybody's, you know, pet favorite at this point. It, it makes sure. more sense for them to just keep bringing out new stuff instead of making sure every old thing is supported. Um, yeah, just... L- look, I like the, I was joking around about the motto. I don't really give a shit either way. Yeah, of course. But fucking if you're trying to pack 900 plus Pokemon into one game, it doesn't make sense. I mean, oh, no, no. Yeah. Right now they're doing just it, logistically. It doesn't. Yeah. Well, not only that, but you look at it, the game, the games now are really so much. So basing themselves off a region, which they were doing before, but even more now, like the last game was in England. Yeah, this game is going to be in France. It doesn't make fucking sense from a biological... First Pokemon game with a surrender option. I don't know why I'm doing that. There's, there's no reason no reason to continue yeah, come on. thinking. Yeah. Come on, Josh. Yeah, there's, that, enough that, hate, there's enough hate no, in the this, world. We this, need this, game is, this game is Spain, you guys. France already happened. 
or sorry, Spain. this is Spain. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It's Spain. Yeah. I'm sorry, I mixed those two up. Um, but if you look at it from they're an so ecological, similar. If you look at it from an ecological perspective, it doesn't make sense to have that because if you look at natural habitats, range of animals in the real world, I I don't have Pokemon, or sorry, I don't have animals, um, in South Asia just fucking trekking their way up to Alaska being like, hey, what's up? I mean, has that happened? Yes. Is it going to happen? Not that often. So why would you have Pokemon all the time just everywhere at all points in time? That's not how the real world works. (coughs) And um, I understand some people are going to be like, it's a game, just fucking put the Pokemon I want. Why the fuck do you need the same fucking Pokemon in every game? Live a little. Because try yeah. if things. They, they'd have nothing to complain about if they didn't complain about that. Yeah, I don't know. Like I, I kind of like Just I mentioned before, things. I, I do think no. they should trim it way back instead of because is it the moment they have so many in each of them that it, it I, I feels don't believe personal in when your favorite Josh. doesn't make the cut. <laughs> so I feel like if they cut it back even more. Way more people are going to get left out each time, which I think is a good thing. So people get used to the idea of you don't have to have your favorite in every single installment. Um, sure. Which is, which is kind of the issue that they've run into because it's, it's been a given that you'll be able to have your personal favorite Pokemon in this last one. And well, it, maybe you yeah. should just pick a more popular favorite. Yeah, exactly. If you didn't like shitty Pokemon, they'd be in the game. Come on. Oh, that man. being said, if Cubone is not in this game, I will kill myself. <laughs> uh, well, all right, weird hill to die on, but I'm not gonna yeah, judge. Yeah, whatever. I, I am judging actually, but seem know. pretty judgmental. I won't judge too hard. I'll judge a little bit. Uh, next poll I ran was first Pokemon Legends Arceus update is live. It's called Daybreak. It's a story bit with more outbreaks, more trainer battles, and free pokeballs 55 percent of people said already let's go and 45 percent of people said too bet busy to go back to it and uh unfortunately yeah. i'm in the 45 percent same here yeah yeah again that's that's another one of those huge games and I'm, like i mentioned before i do think they've, they've done a really good job of giving that incentive to keep grinding away at the world keep exploring yeah, but there's so much coming out, especially for there's, for us in particular. With you there's know, other stuff. Our yeah, situation. I feel, I feel an urge to do. Like, I, would I in a perfect world would I love to put a little more time into that? Yeah, I really enjoyed that game. Mm-hmm. Cards are not there. Oh yeah, no. Like, if this is the game you're still playing, absolutely, it is still worth playing this game. I've I, yeah, I, I think it holds up to that amount of time put into it but and and that degree of support and that quickly is really smart like i think that's to like a month later be like hey here's another content drop that's great that's that's how shit like this should be done yep yeah yeah it's smart it's smart of them they they're having a consistent flow of content striking Uh, while the iron is hot to be like hey you guys are just getting towards that end game we just added some more stuff to it yeah Mm -hmm. yeah i think it's smart for sure um but yeah no fucking time in the world to do that the next poll I ran was, here are the three starters of Scarlet and Violet. Um, I like the design of the Grass and Fire starters, but I'm hesitant about another water duck. Go to hell. 
Yeah, I figured that was going to be the response. 59% of people said all three are cool, and 41% of people agreed with me. The duck is meh. Quaxley's a little matador. How do you not enjoy that? It just does, it doesn't do anything for me. I am also want to take this opportunity to say that I am firm when it comes to uh, Sprigatito, the, the little uh, grass type cat. I'm firmly in the keep those paws on the ground camp. Yeah, um, a lot of people are saying, yeah, oh, yeah, that, we, we don't need another humanoid up, second and third yeah. form. If that thing, if people start talking about fucking it, I'm going to get mad. Yeah, no, I, I do think you completely missed the boat with the duck, though. I, I do not understand your, the issue you take with Ben Schwartz as a starter Pokemon. Yeah, it's perfect. Yeah. Well, here, here's my thing. Um, He's going to have a little cape in his final form. He's a little matador. Look at his hat. Well, here's my thing, is that there are so many different cool ducks in the world, in the real world. And name 17. <laughs> I can't name 17, but I could give you a few of them. Checkmate, um, Atheus. Got him. No, but like, all the ducks that have been in the game, like Psyduck is cute, but he's also original. That's why he's cute. Otherwise, like, who gives a shit about Psyduck? Golduck? Eh, who gives a shit? There's, I think there's one other duck Pokemon as Ducklet. well. What? So many Ducklet. ducks, he names one duck. Ducklet, yeah, that motherfucker. And, like, it's just, there are so many cool ducks in the world, especially ones that I studied at university, and I think, why aren't they doing shit like that with ducks? And so I gave an example. Um... There's a duck called the Harlequin duck. I don't. Do you guys know what this duck looks like? Grich, I assume. Yeah, you do, no. You you've got a thing for Mr. J. I saw. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's easy. To, the duck's in an abusive relationship with Jared Leto. Okay. But do you guys know what the duck looks like? I've seen. The, I've seen the picture you posted. Yes. Yes. Josh, you know what the duck looks like? Yes, yes. 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 Okay. Thank you. It looks like it could be like a like a fiery duck Pokemon or like a fire and ice kind of Pokemon. <laughs> Why are they not playing around and getting more creative rather than creating another fucking water and flying duck? Like this one maybe looks like it could be water steel because it looks like it's almost going to be like a fucking gunner of some sort. I don't know, but I'm just, I like, it's not that I think it's going to be water fighting because it, because of the matador aspect of it. You, yeah, you might be right. I just, I'm, I'm so bored of yeah, like what, some what of these. What type is the pompadour? Uh, no one knows for sure. Mm. It's definitely fighting. He's very street. Um, He's a greaser. What about the? I know this isn't related to the Quaxley thing, but like, you know, it's pretty cool. That little crocodile pepper, Boy Coco. Well, let let me finish on the duck before we talk about <laughs> that guy. This guy's just talking shit. Well, we have one more poll, which is why I'm getting to it. I was mm. trying to build. I got a to I got a poll for you right here. Yeah, I can't see it. Had Anyways, since you saw uh, that yeah, I, I get that a lot. <laughs> uh, I said, or the poll was like 57% more typing versus the uh, 43% of people saying, bro, it's a fucking duck. Which, yeah. I get it. Like, as I was typing all this, like, you have no idea. I'm walking to my car to go to drive to work, and I'm doing this poll. I'm designing, creating this, and I'm like, halfway through it, I'm like, Shay, this is a fucking duck. Why do you give I'm, so much I'm of a I'm glad fuck? that you finally had that realization halfway through the poll. Well, like, designing I would it. die for Quaxley. Yes, exa exactly, exactly, because 
Otherwise, we, we, we would have had to bring it up ourselves, and that would have been much more painful for you, I think. Yeah, it would have been not fun. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm self-aware is the thing, but also I have such a passion for biology and uh, animals and climate awareness and all that stuff that I think Pokemon speaks to a lot of scientists, and that's the, the effect that it has um, on on people who are into science mm. and into video games. So I think that's why or, some or, people or get rather so it should speak to a couple more scientists before they keep coming out and, and, and making everyone angry. Yeah, or yeah, whatever, whatever they want to do, just whatever they want to do. I guess I just, the, the duck was underwhelming to me. So that's case in point, but like Rich, you were saying the red crocodile looks cool. I agree. Yeah. He's like a little, little pepper crocodile, which is cool. Uh, yeah, I want to see what the final forms are going to be like. That'll dictate because I got to be honest, Sword and Shields I, final I, I form, t- they were atrocious. I, I want to, mm-hmm. I want to uh, get this out there because I feel like I'm definitely not the only person to say this, but it seems like the obvious thing. Fue Coco, the little fire crocodile pepper guy. Yeah, his final evolution should be Fire Ghost. He should be a ghost pepper. Well, no, exactly. That's what I was going to say. He should become a hotter and hotter pepper, which means he should get older and more shriveled with each evolution. Yeah. Until by the end, he's just just the most gnarled, mangled-looking, over-the-top, just pure heat pepper. With, like, a crocodile tail and a big old exactly. head coming out. And you're exactly. Like, yeah, I'm into it. And he should 100% be Fire Ghost, because he is a ghost pepper. Exactly. Well, there you go. Uh, that was pretty much it for the polls this week. Uh, I know it was a lot of Pokemon forward. We had the Pokemon Direct earlier in the week, which is why I wanted to keep that a little bit more Pokemon forward, while the rest of the stuff we talked about in the show had pretty much nothing to do with Pokemon. I was trying to find some way to do some healthy balance there. And, uh, yeah. So, anyways, if you want to vote on the polls, uh, Every Tuesday at the Sword Shop Instagram, you can check them out there. But that's going to pretty much wrap up the show. We're pretty much done with everything. Um, talked about a lot of stuff. It was fun to recap five years of the Switch and the games we've been playing. Uh, if you want more content from us, head over to SwordChomp.com. Head over to SwordChomp.com, where uh, we have more podcasts. Rich recently just got his episode up uh, on, of Chomping at the Bits at Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1. By the time you hear this episode, uh, I will have gotten up the new episode of Evoking the Sublime Up, which I did with Feral Cat Den Studios for Genesis Noir. And uh, I did that amazing episode with Evan and Jeremy. Uh, the sound quality isn't the greatest, but the conversation was awesome. They're two very friendly people, very passionate about uh, being in the industry and what they make. Uh, if you haven't checked out Genesis Noir, I highly recommend it. Um, one of the most underrated games the last year. And please check out the episode. Uh, maybe you will enjoy it. And then finally check out Genesis Noir. Um, we have an episode coming out in a few weeks for uh, patrons for Chomping After Dark. Um, if you're a patron, you know which episode is coming up next. Or we will have it on the main feed at the end of the month that you can check out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've gotten some new articles up. I got a very brief review of the Zombies Ate My Neighbors and Ghost Patrol pack that dropped for the Switch last year. It's kind of a little passion one, uh, review just because 
I love Zombies Ate My Neighbors growing up. Rich will have one on Horizon Forbidden West going up very soon, as he alluded to. So you can check out that stuff there. Uh, we have a merch store. You can check out the threads and other various things that we have. Purchase it. And if you uh, purchase anything, let us know, and we will feature you on our store and whatnot. We are not on our store, on our social media. We love when uh, people send us photos of that stuff. And last but not least, if you are looking for more ways to support us and being rewarded for that, you can head over to patreon.com slash As you know, we are a 100% listener-funded show. So if you want to help us out uh, to continue to make amazing content, it would mean the world to us if you head over there and check it out. So. Uh, that's gonna do it though uh, I want to thank you so much for being here checking out the episode and listening to us blab on about video games for three hours I want to thank Josh for being here from North Carolina Rich being here from New York I was your host Shay from Japan. we'll be back next week with another exciting episode of the Chompcast thank you so much and take care whoop